1: Good morning, Wake Up Squad, and thanks for checking in with us again. Later, chematologist Tony Browder will take over our classroom. Now, Brother Tony will discuss the Dr. Renoka Rashidi documentary that's just been completed. Brother Tony will also update us on the Acer Restoration and the Clark Enhanced History Projects. For Brother Tony, though, Baltimore activist Brother Haki will preview uh, We Be Maryland, day and that's coming up but to get us started Dr. Kalichi Eguim from Appeal Incorporated in Washington DC is here good morning and happy new year Dr. Eguim. Good morning, good morning brother Carl, thank
2: you for having us. Happy New Year to you too. Happy
1: New Year to you. Yeah I gotta ask you well first of all you know because we get so many new listeners every time we talk I gotta ask you about Appeal because some of the people across the country may not be familiar what Appeal is and what you guys do can you share that with us first?
2: Sure, sir, definitely. APPEAL, um, first of all, it's an acronym that stands for Association of People for Pan-Africanist Economic Advancement Through Leverage. Um, our mission, we're a nonprofit organization based in D.C., but we're global. We have members all over, the, all over the country and all over the world. Our mission is to organize and strategically utilize the vast resources of people of Africa stand locally, nationally, and globally to facilitate truly um so true economic empowerment um educational enrichment to produce strong self-sufficient prosperous communities and that and that's the the key strong self-sufficient prosperous communities we must be self-sufficient and we must be prosperous um and we have to uh, do what we have to do to get there and we have several platforms uh towards that some of it is education based we have a workshop series which I'll I'll talk about um, today. Uh, we, we have a, a few coming up, really, really exciting ones, you know. And we we also deal with historical, cultural, uh, political, economic, um, education, right? You know, financial literacy is a big part of it. You know, we have a, a platform. We are organizing the first national Black credit union um, in the United States. Uh, we also have a, a think tank, and we have a, a co-op where we combine with Black manufacturers. There's a whole list of of uh, of things that we do with, to achieve that mission, it's not just a mission in words. We're putting it in practice, um, and we you know we've been around for about uh, ten years now, um, and we're you know we're pushing forward you know towards achieving that mission. You know, this is not just for obviously a few people. This is for uh, the benefit of Black people globally. You know, and, and we're we're been, we're very grateful for the folks who have been part of the mission and been supportive of us. Of these many years, as we continue to strive towards that mission of advancement and self sufficiency um, for, for communities of African people globally.
1: All right. Dr. Khaleesi, you just got back from Africa. You went to the continent, Nigeria, Ethiopia. Fill us in on what those trips are like.
2: Yes, yes. So, Nigeria, Ethiopia, these are the two most populous um, countries on the continent. Uh, the population of Nigeria. And Ethiopia combined is more than the population of the United States. Just those two countries alone is more than the population of the United States. Of course, Nigeria is the sixth most populous country in the world right now. And, you know, in the next um, 20, 25 years or so, it's uh, projected to surpass the United States population. Very different countries, obviously. Uh, Nigeria is in the, in the West. Ethiopia is in the East. Uh, Nigeria has a a long history of colonization by the British um and it still suffers from a lot of that. Um in Ethiopia of course was never uh colonized for a long period even though they were well, obviously the Italians um you know tried their way and there was there was a battle but they never success, successfully colonized the country. So it was a very very different um different uh population, uh, different political situation. Obviously their uh the situation in Ethiopia uh is, is complicated by the relationship with with, uh, with Egypt, you know, there's there's a the constant adversarial situation where, you know, they're trying to keep the the Ethiopians from making the uh, the most use of the of the Nile of the Nile, water from the Nile, in terms of, you know, they, they, they're using it for dams and creating electricity and channeling the water while the Egyptians are trying to control it like they own it. So they're constantly putting adversarial, um, you know, ob- obstacles, including uh, supporting enemies. Supposed enemies of Ethiopia, so it's constantly, you know, that going on. But, but it's, you know, so these are these are peaceful countries despite um, these circumstances. Um, I love both of them. Um, Nigeria is a huge place. You know, to say Nigeria is almost like saying Africa. <laughs> it's huge. You know, from from um, from Abuja to Lagos to Onitsha to um, to the, the northern region. Um, Kano and places like that. It's a vast country, you know, you have got every every type of, you know, it's almost like a microcosm of the continent. You have every type of terrain. You can imagine, you got deserts, you have forests, you know, you have uh, savannas, mountains. Um, you know, so it's it's quite vast and, and a very friendly people. Um, you know, Nigerians. I think there was one time they did a survey and said Nigerians were the happiest people in the world. When you go to Nigeria, you 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 really experience that. It's not a it's not a it's not as popular. A tourist destination as other countries, I think Ethiopia is far more uh, of a of a popular tourist destination. Nigeria is more; it has has a high level of tourism, but it's not from non-Nigerians. They have a high level of domestic tourism, but a low level of international tourism, and that's very unique for any country um, in the U in in, in the United States. Because you know, they am in any in the, in the of Africa. right <laughs> in Africa. Um, Nigeria is one of the few places where you have a high level of tourism, but very few of it is outside. It's from outside the country. So it has a lot to offer. It doesn't really focus a lot on getting other people from outside of Nigeria to come, but um, when you go to Nigeria, you want to enjoy yourself. Um, It's it's a happy place with a lot of entertainment, a lot of fun activity, a lot of festivals. There's always always something going on. Um, I always enjoy traveling to Nigeria um in Ethiopia and again a, a beautiful country um you know and these are, these are both very very peaceful uh very um welcoming places when you actually travel there even though they may have you know different impressions different, the world might have of them they're both very very uh, welcoming to people
1: well let me ask you 7 after the top and I've been to both of those countries uh, in Nigeria Lagos 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 to me is like New York and and Vegas uh, combined. The city never sleeps. There's always something going on in Lagos. Explain that energy. Where does that energy come from?
2: Well, it's it's a it's the population. I mean, Lagos is, is Lagos has a has a a lot a lot um, larger of a population than both of those uh, both New York and Las Vegas. <laughs> you know, Lagos are them in population. So, it's a lot of people um, you know, so we have a lot of people from all over um, the world and all over the country itself. You know, it, Lagos is, is, a, is a place where you go to where you're going to hear every single language, every single culture. Is, is, everybody's represented in Lagos. So there's a lot of influence. Um, whatever you're looking for, whatever your interests are, uh, whether it's arts, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, food, whether it's just you know, it's just being with, with people, I mean, you'll find it there in Lagos. You know, it, it, it's a, it's a place where a lot of money flows, right? It's not an inexpensive, you know, place. You know, obviously it's, it, it's high-end. You know, you go to your Lakey and your Victoria Island. It's very different than going to Ikeja to and some other places. So you got a a, a a broad section there, but there's also a lot of history. Um, in, in Lagos, obviously, you know, uh, Fala uh, uh, Kuti was based in Lagos, and his shrine is still there. Whenever folks go to Lagos, I would encourage them to visit the new shrine. His daughter actually runs the shrine and his um and his uh, his um sons you know perform there on a regular basis And, of course and there's still a community of people just like when he was alive he, he, he took in street, street children people that were rejected from you know for whatever reason by their families or had nowhere else to go they still do that to today it's still functioning in that way so Lagos still has, has that vibe obviously it's the it's the probably the biggest economic center in 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 Africa so there's a lot of commerce going on um, land development, they're constantly expanding Lagos. <laughs> it's getting bigger, if you can imagine, because they're they're adding land by by dredging um, and creating, you know, uh, expanding the islands that are there. So it, it's, a, it's a growing population that manages to have a growing surface area um, as well. The demand um, for housing is there and, and constantly growing because the population is, is growing. Of course, you know, mm-hmm. Nigeria, it's one of the fastest-growing countries um, in the world.
1: You know, you know what's, what was interesting to me was the Marina family. I'm telling you, they've got a, a, a marina close by Lagos, and this is where you see the wealthy Nigerians live. Um, some of them, at least, live out there on, on the yachts. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's comparable to anywhere in Monaco or e- even out in the Santa Monica area in uh, California, with with all these yachts and these rich Nigerians hang out there. Uh, people have a, a some some people have a, a lopsided view of what Africa is all about. But I'm telling you, you go to Lagos and, and parts of Lagos, and then go to Abuja, the capital. You'll you'll have change your mind. But I want to move stateside. Uh, at uh, 10 after the top of the hour, Dr. Kalichi, help us out here, because you've, you've got a bunch of workshops coming up. Before we hit the workshop, oh, I want to ask you this question, because let's, let's stay on Africa for a second here. What is the difference between the African states in the East and the African states on the West? Or is there a difference?
2: Um, in, 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 well, there is a difference. Um, it's it, it, And that difference is, I guess, it's tied to our history of colonization. Um, you know the the Western countries gained their independence first. Some of them did. Um, the independence sort of moved west, moved moved east, if you will. So and, and that has a um, an effect in terms of the relationship that that Afri- African countries have, especially with their far, uh, former colonizers. You know, a lot of the colonization, a lot of the the independence movement, independence that was achieved. And the West was more negotiated, right? It was more of a, you know, uh, it was more of a um, uh, treaties and agreements. it wasn't a whole lot of bloodshed in terms of, you know, kicking out the colonizers in the West, while in the East it was far more bloodshed. It was more, it was more bloody and it happened much later. It was more of a, a demand um, than a, a negotiation. So that has an effect in terms of those relationships. Um, you know, the... In terms of Africans you know, born in America, um, the vast majority of African ancestry comes from uh, the West, even though the East is becoming much more popular as a tourist destination, as a, as a place to repatriate. Places like Tanzania, Kenya, and Rwanda are becoming very, very popular in the last 10 years for folks to, to move to, establish businesses, and so on and so forth the reality is that most of the ancestry still is in the West, right? You know, you're talking about primarily places like Nigeria, Cameroon, uh, 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 Angola, uh, Benin. You know, these are mostly, you know, uh, places where, you know, African Africans, when they trace their, Africans born in America, or born in the diaspora, when they trace their ancestry, this is where it goes. It doesn't go to the East, it goes to the West. So that connection with the West is very is, is very different than the the connection in, in the east not that there weren't africans taking from the eastern part on the coast especially Mozambique and areas like that but the but the percentage is, is much lower than um than those who came in from, from the west so you have more of a cultural connection right you have um a, a, you, you have the presence of the Akan right here in the United States right you have the presence of the Yoruba right here in the United States you have the presence of the Igbo right here in the United States because you know those those are the Ancestral homes, you know, for the most part, of Africans born in America, Africans born in the in the Africans you know, born outside of the continent, who are the descendants of, of Africans who were taken um, during the mile or during the slave trade, that connection goes back to the West. So when you travel to the West, it's a different feeling than you travel to the East. Oftentimes, when you go to you know, uh, there weren't a lot of uh, 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 um, enslaved Africans taken from Kenya, right? So When you go there, it's a beautiful place, but there really is no, there's not a whole lot of ancestral connection there. When you go back to Yoruba land, you go back to to, to Ghana, you go back to Benin, it's a different feeling. There's that cultural, spiritual connection.
1: All right, hold that thought right there. We've got to take a short break at 14 after the top, Then we'll come back. Let's talk about some of the workshops, some of the programs that your group of appeal is doing in Washington, D.C. Family, you want to join this conversation with Dr. Kalisha Green? reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, or on FM 95.9 and a.m. 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. Twenty minutes after the top of the hour, with our guest, uh, Dr. Kalichi Egwin from Appeal Incorporated. He's the executive director of the group, based in Washington D.C. It's a Pan African group, and this year they're going to have a series of workshops. So, uh, Dr. Kalichi, help us out with some of the workshops that you guys are going to have this year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we have. Well, not, I, there's a lot of workshops throughout the year, but I'll talk about the, the one that's getting ready. To, this series is getting ready to start um in a, in the next couple of weeks, which is our historical culture literacy series we're kicking it off on um on january uh twenty seventh with a screening of a documentary uh about um sterling brown uh that was done by by the holly Greemer. um it's, uh, this this documentary is entitled after winter sterling brown and you know we'll have the you know the director filmmaker um a um, they're with us, and he'll have a discussion after the film. The, the screening is going to be done at his spot, which is Sankofa uh, uh, Video Books and Cafe, which is on, on Georgia Avenue, uh, 2714 Georgia Avenue Northwest in D.C. So that's going to be a, um, an exciting program. We, we actually tried to do a screening of this uh, documentary, of, uh, I think it was last Last year, we tried to do it, but because of, you know, the fact that it, it's still, there's some property, uh, intentional property rights, you know, they, they were trying to uh, preserve. We are trying to do it virtually online, and because of that that issue, we weren't able to do the screening online, so we ended up moving it to doing it uh, in person. Uh, so folks who might have registered to try to do it virtually last time and weren't able to see it, please come out. Unfortunately, we we have to do it in person and we're not going to have a virtual component because of some property rights issues um, that he's trying to protect. So because obviously it's an important film. And if you if you know about Sterling Brown or don't know about Sterling Brown, um, you you definitely want to come out. He's, you know, he's a a, uh, Harlem Renaissance poet.
3: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
2: That we should know is very influential, especially um, you know, uh right here in Washington, in Washington, DC, Howard University, uh where he was for many, many years. So um we you know th- that's gonna be on the twenty seventh of January. You can register all these workshops, you can register, go to appealincorg, click on events. And you can register for these workshops. As again, that's appealinc.org. Click on events or appealinc.org slash events. Um, that will take you to where you can register for these workshops. So um, after that, it's, it's, we're going to have an eight-week series, you know, following that particular program. Um, so after uh, the film on uh, Sterling Brown, the screening, the rest of the workshops are going to be uh, virtual, right? So Wherever you are in the country, you can join in the rest of them. We may have a field trip at the end, but right now, the ones I'll be telling you about all of these will be virtual. You can register um and join in and participate from wherever you are in the world. Um the Sterling Brown documentary will be at 8 PM. we want you to pre-register. So as you know we we'll probably gonna run out of space. We want you to register as soon as possible. Again, that's um at 8 p.m on January twenty-seven, uh, that's a Saturday, right? Um, and go to appealinc.org slash events to register for that. The rest of the workshops are gonna be at eleven AM Eastern time, and this is all Eastern time I'm giving you. Um so we have a, a, a workshop on this on the sacrifices of, of superwomen, right? We know you know so much is demanded of our sisters, you know, they they place such a vital critical role in our community. Oftentimes, they they feel they have to be that superwoman, right? We all know the song, Um, but it's it's important to recognize that there are um, effects on our women, that that persona, effects on their health, you know, uh, physical, mental, and so on and so forth. Um, So we have uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Saliva Sullivan, uh, Dr. Uh, Andrea Sullivan is going to be speaking with us about that. She has a book called The Sacrifices of Superwoman, right, which focuses on primarily um, women of color and and the effect of having that persona sort of, you know, put on them because of all they they have to do. It's a very important topic. Uh, We have to have healing. We have to have balance. So that's going to be the the topic for um, the workshop for, uh, that's February uh, 3rd. And that's gonna be virtual again, same, you can register for all these workshops at the same place. Um and then we're gonna have Sister Nkichi Taifa. I'm I'm sure you've had her here. Um she's she's one of our uh our foremost experts and warriors. The reparations movement has been for, for a very, very, very long time. Um and she recently attended the uh, the conference on reparations in Accra, which is the the first, uh, first of its kind done on the continent. Uh, which was attended by all the major players in the reparations movement, which is not just based in the United States, but it's global, of course. Um, so she's going to give us an update on that, on that conference, um, and a few other, a few other issues as well. Um, she'll talk. She'll talk about, you know, some of the um, the grassroots and um, movement and justice reform issues related to reparations. But that's going to be on February tenth again all these other workshops as I mentioned is gonna be at uh, eleven AM Eastern time, again virtual, right? And then after that we have uh uh Baba Obashaka. Um Baba, Baba Shaka is, is known for his um his work especially dealing with, you know, the relationship and balance really between in and the, the African family, especially between uh men and women, you know, the the the, the um the archetypes, if you will, so he'll be talking to us about the the twin uh, uh twin lineal African family model of male female equal empowerment right we We know that you know this society that we live in is always trying to put us together um and and bring confusion to make us feel we're in competition with each other, but that's not the African way you know the African way is balanced, you know so he's going to talk about um that model. And asking societies and how we can apply that, how, well, how it was applied and how we can apply it today, right? Very, very important workshop. That's gonna be on February um, 17th. After that, we're gonna have um, the history of, of discipline and corporate punishment in schools done by uh, Mama um, McKinney. Mama McKinney is actually, she's the chairperson uh, in appeal of the Historical Culture Literacy uh, Series Committee. So she, you know, she she's the one that really um, oversees putting together this particular series. So she's going to be doing that, and she's been in education um, for a very long time. And she also has been working with the rights of passage programs um, for women and, and and girls and boys for a very long time. So she's very knowledgeable on on this particular subject. It's it, it, it all interrelated. And then, and that's on February twenty fourth, and then after that. We'll be honoring uh, Dr. Benita Thompson. Um, she is the the founder of of Roots, uh, both the, uh, the public charter school and the activity center, which is a private school, or uh, independent after school. Um, she's been, you know, doing that for 55 years, and she recently retired. So she's going to be, you know, with us, and we're going to, you know, get the, the the wealth of her wisdom from all these many years of educating African people, you know. Uh, educating people, you know, from an African perspective, right? Educating our people from with, with African culture, our children with African culture. So her 55 years of, of um, education and service has been a benefit to all of us. So We'll be honoring her on that day and hearing from her, hearing her journey, how she got started um, and how she sees the whole Africa centered education movement. So that's going to be on March 2nd. Um, I know there's a lot of workshops, and, and you don't have to remember all of it. You go to steelink.org <laughs> events, you can see it. <laughs> you know, then, then we'll, we'll have an update on Africa Town um, from uh, Dr. B. A. Zakia. She's also doing some work with the University of Uganda. That's on March 9th, um, and then we have uh, Dr. Gerald Horn coming on on the to talk about a, a new book on racism and racialism. Um, radicalism in washington there's a lot of workshop up uh,
1: and, and let me just uh, jump in here uh, 30 minutes out of the time that dr horn will be with us next week but I want to ask you a, a question about the you create a, the black credit union can you explain why you guys decided to create this or is it in creation where are you on this
2: right right we are we are in the process of of, of getting the charter uh for first national black credit union uh, it's important um that we get the most of what we already have um black people you know we we, we all know about the uh the, the, the whatever it was the 1.3 or 1.8 you know $1 trillion dollars that black people you know uh reportedly spend every year but we know that you know black people have jobs so we have you know we have a bank accounts. So, you know, we we have folks who are at the bottom of the economic ladder and they folks at the top of it you No, know, a, a broad uh, diverse people. But at the end of the day, if we're not keeping our money or putting our money, even even you know having our money functioning, because when you have your money in a bank, the bank is benefiting from your money being there. They're using your money to leverage, to loan and 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 and, and invest in and support whatever they want to support. Just by you having your money in their bank, they're using your money. Imagine if we if we had, if we had a uh, an institution where we could collectively have that money not necessarily doing anything different other than having it in our institution, where we can now use that as leverage to support uh, the things that we want, the, the organizations that we want, the businesses that we want, the things that we need in our community. And that's the idea. In order for us to control our economic um, destiny, we must have an institution that has the capacity to do that, that is being that owned by us, run by us, and is for our benefit. You know, So that, that economic institution is critical to be, to be able to achieve Many, many other things. We talked about our mission earlier. That mission has to be financed, right? You're going to have to support those those efforts, those those other institutions that are going to be needed to achieve that mission. So the uh, the National Black Credit Union is is, is an um, opportunity to pull together resources that we have as African people, not by us asking somebody else for something that they got, but by us maximizing what we have. You know, if, if we can, if with that institution, we can now channel. You know, that leverage towards important efforts, uh, organizations, businesses that will revitalize and truly create the type of self-sufficiency uh, that we need in, in our community. So we are in, our, in the process of organizing uh, that credit union. Um, you can go to, again, appealinc.org. You know, as a, as a member of appeal, we, we encourage our members and most of our members are involved in that in that effort. Um. And, you know, we, we've gone far. We've raised, you know, almost $300,000 um, towards that effort. So, you know, we're, we're making progress. You know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get to a point where we can now offer the credit union folks we can folks just join in. But right now we're in the building process. And we need African people who feel as if we need a credit union. We need a financial institution to join us. Because at the end of the day, we're doing this for everybody. We're not doing it just for us. We're doing it for, for black people everywhere. It's something that everybody will benefit from. When it's, when it's done and operating, everybody will benefit from it. So we would like folks to get involved at the ground level, right, to help us build it, for it to be stronger. We need we need not just your, your treasure, but your talent, right? Um, but it's, it's very important to our overall mission because we have to be able to fund...
1: Right. And, and hold that thought right there, Dr. It. Khalid. we got to take a short break here. When we come back, I want you to expound on that because you know there's some segments of our... Uh, our, our people who feel that when you're dealing with money you, you you're rolling like the oppressor, you know that we, we should be we should always be uh, 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 looking for money, we should be poor and ha- having money or obsession with money. It equates to what the oppressor does. So how are you going to convince those people of that like mind to join in and join this uh, uh, credit corporation and this credit union that you're creating? So I'd like you to address that when we get back. But we got to take a short break as I mentioned at 26 away from the top of the hour. We're back in four minutes, family. You want to join this conversation with Dr. Alicia Gwynn from Appeal? Hit us up at 800- 450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Free in the DMV. We're on FM 95.9 and am 1450 w o l or information is power and good morning once again, family. 21 minutes away from the top of the with our guest from Appeal Incorporated. He's the executive director. His name is Dr. Kalicha Egwim. Before we go back to him, let me just remind you, coming up later, we're going to speak with a chematologist, Tony Browder. Also, Brother Hakeef from Baltimore will be with us. And tomorrow, of course, is Friday, and we'll give you another chance to free your mind, think for yourself, and reach out to us in our Open Phone Friday program. We're in promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95. Nine and AM fourteen fifty WOL. All right, uh, Dr. Kalichi, you, tell us more about this uh, Black Credit Union that you guys are putting together. Because I mentioned earlier, before we left for the the intermission, the fact that you know some people in our community feel that if you're going after the dollars, that means you're a sellout. That you know, the people, you can't be rich and, and, and be a Pan Africanist. Uh, somehow, they feel that doesn't that, that doesn't equate. So help us out for those folks who are in that who think that kind of way.
2: Right. Well, I mean, we're not we uh <laughs> we're not in the convincing game. Um, I, I'm not in the convincing game. If at this point, if you have a solution, um, to improve, to elevate, to empower asking people, I want to hear it and I want to be part of it. I don't really want to hear about folks naysayers who don't have the an answer. there's a lot of folks who have opinions, you know, on and things, and, <laughs> and that's fine. But unless you've got a solution. We don't really have a lot to talk about, so I'm not in the convincing game. If you understand the the, uh, the plight of our people, um, and you're willing to work towards the, the the elevation of our people and the empowerment of our people, because we know that, you know, based on demographics alone, this country is, is going to change. The world is going to change, and, and and at some point, you know, somebody you know somebody's going to need to step up, in you know, in, in our community, because you know we are we are destined to rule this world again. That's just the reality of things. The question is, is it gonna be under our own auspices? Are we gonna do it purposefully? Or is it gonna be uh, uh, something that dawns on us which, which puts us in, in, a, in, a, in a vulnerable position? Anybody who, is, who has a solution, I'll work with that. You know, if, if you have a plan, I'll work with you. I don't, you know, you, your, you're, you know, fantasies about, you know, <laughs> a, a, a commenting on what other folks are doing, well, you know, you're not doing anything yourself. Are not of a of consequence you know it's just folks that have something to say you know the reality mm-hmm. is that you know we, we know that you know without economics you can't function you can't have an organization you can't have a business you can't have a home right You can't have food right without economics so all we're doing is taking the reins of our economics we're not we're not trying to get get rich it's not about everybody being rich or, or any or anybody individual being rich right this is the collective effort This is a, 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 an effort to pull up our people together, you know, to, to, to create that sustainability, to be close supported We have a, a very diverse population, even in the United States, right? You, there are there are counties, you know, primarily black counties that are excessively wealthy compared to other parts of the country. And you have counties where they're excessively poor, you know, and we have to find a way where we can have mutual benefit, where, you know, we, we, can, we can have wealth from where there's wealth in our community benefits areas where there isn't as, as much wealth in our community. That work has to be done. It's not about making anybody rich. It's not about chasing the dollar. It's about maximizing what we have so it can be mutually beneficial to our people. And that's an effort that has to be that has to be done. That's the work that has to be done. And folks who feel as if, well, we don't need to worry about economics, okay, that's fine. But I, I would like to see how they function. I'd like to see how they exist. You know, folks who, who feel as if, you know, an, an effort to organize black people to Support Black businesses, to create Black businesses, to spend their money with Black people, um, to to channel to rechannel their economics to benefit them as opposed to using their economics to benefit other people. Folks who have a problem with that, I'm willing to hear your solutions. I've heard a lot of a lot of opinions. I haven't heard a lot of solutions outside of that.
1: Yeah, well said, too. Uh, that's a great response to those folks who think like that. Tell us about the co-op, though, that you guys are working on at 17 away from the top of the hour.
2: Oh, absolutely, yes. With, with This Saturday, you know, you know co-op is this Saturday. Um, if you're in, in, in the D.C. area, and you, and the parts the from a co-op can be gotten um, online as well. You know, of course, you got to get it from the manufacturer. But
4: if you happen to be in the D.C.
2: area, you can, you can get the product directly. Um, you get the product directly from the co-op. Um, so uh, 2015 Bunker Hill Road, uh, every first and third Saturday of the month. So the co-op is a partnership with black manufacturers from all over the world, primarily all over the country, right? But the idea is that we know that black people make a lot of things that, that, we, that we use, right? I mean, products that we use, you know, personal care products everyday stuff stuff that you know you you, you'll probably use 10 times of today right i'm talking about you know everything from bathroom tissue to to toothpaste to to deodorant to detergent um just everyday stuff that you use and this is these are consumables that we we have to use out of necessity right these are things that we're always going to buy and we partner with black manufacturers from all over the country all over the world you know, that make these things because we have to make what we use. It's a real simple concept. We have to make what we use and we have to again use what we make. Because if, if they make it and we don't patronize it, we don't support it, we don't use it, guess what? Nobody else is gonna, you know, uh, white folk, you know, uh, all these other folks aren't gonna they don't have to boycott black black businesses, black products. They don't have to have a campaign to not buy black. They don't buy black. So they're already they are already there we're not there, right, but they are, so you know and oftentimes we follow their trend, we feel as if their, their ice is colder, so if we don't support ourselves, nobody else will. It's really that simple and, and then we'll complain about oh, and no black folks making socks, or there's no black folks making 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 soap there's no black folks making whatever, right, but they were making it, but we weren't supporting it, so here we are bringing forth a solution, you can actually. Go and buy these products. We're not talking about pre ordering or anything. You come in, you pick it up, and you immediately leave with it. everything you're going to need during the course of the, of the month and week personal care products for your family, manufactured by Black people, by African people, who in, who in turn um, employ African people in their, in their businesses, who in turn create opportunities in their individual communities. This is how we change our relationship with the system. We must put ourselves in a position to be able to empower. Black manufacturers of essential household goods, and that's what the co-op is about. That's what we specialize in. Everything at the co-op is made by Black people. You don't have to read the label and look for the, the you know the the Black lady you know lit symbol or, or, or the Black queen symbol or the or, or the name. Everything we everything we sell at the co-op is made by, by by Black people. And we also have the the Black seeds calendars, limited supply for 2024. If you haven't gotten your Black seed calendars. You can get them at the co-op, um, and you know, and, and you know, w- during the, the warmer times, you know, the, well, it's a little cold. You know, this weekend, so we're probably not going to have the farmers market. But but you know, probably um, back in, when we get to February, we'll probably have the farmers market come back. But, You know, we have that as well. You know, we obviously folks come for the vegetables and things like that. But definitely personal care products. You know, we have products from um, from Herbal uh, Results. You know, he, he, uh, he has a whole line of products, including the. Olive leaf extract and the uh, um, the moringa and cilantro products. So we have you know uh, teas, you know um, uh, moringa. We got we have a whole variety of of of, of I would say superfoods right that are available in addition to you know the detergents and and all the other things that we have. So it's, the co-op is about supporting Black manufacturers because we have to make what we use, especially things we use every day, right? And we have to use what we make.
1: Let me ask you this though: Is is it difficult to to get some folks to understand that concept of recycling black dollars, which you just mentioned?
2: Um, I don't think it's difficult to understand. I think it's, it's it's simple. I mean, I think there are people who who uh, maybe have a vested interest in 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 other things, you know, who have a who have complications in their own lives that that prevent them from from being able to support black. You know, a lot of folks got you know white mothers and and white wives and, and white husbands and, and other kinds of complications that make them you know make it difficult for them to say, "Hey, you know <laughs> you know I, we, we really need to support black people because they're supposed to turn they're turning their back on some part of their family, Maybe that's what it is, but it's not an easy it's not a difficult concept to understand. I mean everybody else does it every day, you know everybody else understands uh, how, how group economics works and they, and they operate that way without apology. We're the only ones that have to
1: make excuses for spending money with black people. Let me jump in here and ask you that, because that's exactly what Dr. Claude Anderson has been teaching us for, for decades now, about recycling our black dollars, acting as a group, buying as a group. Why is it so difficult for some people to understand that concept? Like I'm going back to my original question, too. Why is it so difficult? Because some people will just don't trust the fact that it was made by a black hand. You know, they, as you mentioned, they think the white man's ice is colder. How do we how do we bridge that gap? How do we reach those people who are still holding on fast to those concepts?
2: Well, by by giving them opportunities to see the see the alternative. I mean the, you know the um the trauma right. This is part of our trauma here in America, right? This is the the, the trauma of, of of enslavement and, and post enslavement trauma, um, which is it was intended to and has effectively taught us. Not to trust each other, right? So we have to build trust, and you don't build trust by talking about building trust. You build trust by creating opportunities to build trust. So this is it. This is us providing an opportunity for us to build trust. Come and see these products that the African folks are, are make are making for you, right? Come and try them out. Come and use them. If you know if you're not willing to take that step towards your people, then there's nothing we can really do, you know, for that individual. But I think we have enough people who are willing to to break that that, that trauma chain that continues for generations to generations. We must build relationships. That's why we have the, our uh, some of the workshops that we have, especially dealing with financial literacy. You know, much of it, for instance, you know, workshops on the students is about building trust, changing that relationship. I mean, I, I personally know black people, and I know you do you know who won't get it's not just about products it's about they don't trust black doctors right <laughs> they won't go to a black lawyer right they just believe that black people are just incapable of providing services for them and and and, and that's that trauma and we have to break that cycle by by uh, providing opportunities to break that cycle you know showing them that this can actually work black people can actually come together work together and be successful and prosperous
1: but how, how, how do you see that? That why they don't trust, you know, looking in the, the mirror and don't trust a black doctor or a black uh, attorney. You know, you, you've heard them say we got to go to a particular kind of attorney. The, the black lawyers can't can't handle their business. I, is that all based on self hate?
3: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
2: I mean, it is self hate. I mean, it's you know, a simple concept, right? It is it is self hate. It's internalized self hate. People think about white supremacy. They think white supremacy is being propelled by white people, but in reality, when it comes to black people, we're the ones that pop up white supremacy in our community. It's us, you know, uh, act, you know, making it a reality, right? You know, you know, that that self hate carries on. Um, the system of white supremacy in our community. And we have we're the only ones that can change it. Nobody else can change that. But us. Each of us has the power to transform the system. And and, and we need to we need to have that perspective. And again, a lot of our brothers and sisters have no, have never even heard of the idea, right? That there's a possibility that black people could do for self. I mean, you know, they 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 haven't they haven't, you know, been in 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 an environment where it's been actualized. So for them it's hard to really um believe right and and some of them have n- never even heard of the idea of it and that's not just in america that's globally right i mean i have very strange conversations with people on the continent whenever i travel that sometimes shock me because you know of course the reality there is a little bit different because you when, when you're you know when you're in the streets of, of dc or oakland or, or baltimore or chicago you're going to see a, a, a white bum from time to time. You're going to see a white person begging you for money on the street. You're going to see poverty related to white people, right? On a continent, they don't see that. And the only white folks they see usually are on TV or maybe on the side of a bus, which is oftentimes a depiction of, of, of the creative, right, or or, or or the son of God or something along those lines. They only see positive uh, images of white people. That's all they see. And oftentimes positive is is is, is an understatement. They only see elevated images of, of black or white people. So for them, you know, this, this trauma is, is, is different, right. You know, but, but in America, you know, we, we can certainly see that, uh, that, you know, poverty is not necessarily tied to the to, to, to black people. And, and, and we need to, you know, expose more of our people to the idea that we can do for self. We must not, can't. we must do for self. Um, and until we do for self, nobody else is going to do for us. There's nobody waiting to save us. There, there is no, no 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 savior waiting for us we are the ones we are waiting for all this time we are been waiting for ourselves and we didn't know it there's nobody Amen. else out there to save us but us. the second Amen. We to that, us hold us that thought right
1: that there doctor Kalish. we got to take another quick break when we come back though uh, uh let us know uh, what do white people in the district do they do they take part in your co-ops do, do they show up and when we build this black credit union are they, uh, will they be uh, able to join as well Can we will you take their money talk about that when we get back. As I mentioned, we're going to take a short break, family. we six away from the top. Of the we're back in four minutes, though, with Dr. Kalichi right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. And also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Yeah. And good morning again, family. minute After the top there with our guest, Dr. Khalichi Egwin from Appeal Incorporated. He's the executive director of the chapter in Washington, D.C. And momentarily we're going to speak with the Baltimore actress, Brother Haki. But right now, uh, before the, uh, uh, Dr. Green responds to my question, Mark in Baltimore, on line two, has a comment or a question for you. Mark, good morning. You're on with Dr. Egwin.
4: Hey, good morning, guys. I love what you're saying, man. Um, we, nobody hates on us like we do. You know, if people be talking about, let's go to Africa and all that. The African man crossed the street. I talked to everybody. You know, he say, he say they don't respect what we're doing to each other over here. In Baltimore, uh, the number one killer of our children is is, is is murder by other black children, younger and older folk. So, you know, I think, you know, we have to practice what, what Francis Crest Wesley said, the counter of racist behaviors in our community Stop name-calling one another, stop cursing one another, stop squabbling with one another, stop being discourteous, stop stealing from one another, stop robbing one another, stop fighting one another, stop killing one another, stop using drugs and stop selling drugs to one another. And when I see we the ones that call up and say we don't read and all that, but we're so smart as black people. um, I remember and Donald Trump, when I look at him, I see the worst in white people and people in general. And, and I want to know what you guys think. You know, he recently just said, uh, and he's a uh, he's, no, he's the top uh, leading Republican, even though he's been convicted, not charged, but convicted of assaulting, sexually assaulting a white lady. Now, imagine if he was he was black or, or, or a person of color. But right. um, and the question
1: again, Mark, because we're running out of time here. What's the question yeah, for Doctor? Yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah, the question is, what do you guys think about him saying that uh, that, that immigrants are poisoning the, the bloodline? And they're coming in from everywhere, Africa and Asia. He included them in there too. What do you guys think about that?
1: All right, Brother thanks, Mark.
4: Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you, brother. Um... Yeah, so
2: I I don't spend a lot of my time thinking about what white folk are saying. Um especially that one. He he, he does, I don't personally believe he believes anything. I think mean, he'll say whatever he has to say to to move the electorate he wants to move. You know, what what, what they you know, he's he's a, a bona fide, certified, uh <laughs> and and documented, you know, liar. Um, so anything he says is just what he feels like saying at that time. It's it's irrelevant. Um uh, we should be worried about what's actually um, happening in our communities and, and, and things I'm worried about are the things that we can actually control. You know, right. we control the Let me just uh, throw in this the, for, for
1: Mark, you know, for, for Donald Trump who married two immigrants you know, and his parents are immigrants, you know, for him to attack right. an immigrant. But he, he he's, hes you know, he's the uh, caricature of, of uh, just uh, someone who just speaks one way and, and says something and does something the other way. But anyway, we want to waste some uh, our precious airtime talking about him. My question to you, exactly. Dr. Kalichia Guim, is uh, the co-op, the credit union, are white folks going to be invited? Are you going to accept white people? Do they come to your co-op on, on the weekends that you guys have? Do, do they participate, or, or are they allowed to particip- participate?
2: Oh, I mean, you no. Know, as long as their money is green, they can come to the co-op and spend their money. I mean, they, we're not selling their products, so they, they want to support black manufacturers. I mean, really, we support their manufacturers all day long. So I'm, 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 I'm more than welcome. Um, them to spend their money. The reality is they don't. <laughs> they white folks don't have to have a meeting to boycott black businesses. So they're not knocking down their doors to support the black manufacturers and the black and the, and the side of co-op, you know, but, you know, o- occasionally, you know, one or two of them come in and they spend their money and it, as long as the money's green, right, we'll take it, you know, we're not, the, the kids kids that we're not dependent on them, whether they come or not, we're there, right? And, when, and every once in a while, you're gonna have a, a, look, a, a looky-loo, I guess you could say, they might've heard of us or or just seen us or whatever and won't we'll come by and just, they don't buy anything, they just look around and, and walk out. That happens more often than not, you know, but again, we're not focused on what they're doing. We're focused on what we're doing, rechanneling the resources that we have in our community, supporting each other, creating opportunities for each other. Um, then Guzusaba, of course, the, the Principles of Blackness, which is also the seven principles of Kwanzaa, is about, you know, changing our relationship with the system, and we need to support each other and and build for each other. As long as we're supporting each other, building for each other, supporting each other's efforts, and building for us towards our own future, I'm not really I'm not focused on on what they're doing or or what they're not doing. They're always gonna do what's what's in their benefit. We need to start doing
1: what's in our benefit, focus on Uh, that. Dr. agree before we let you go, how can folks find out more information about all the programs that you have going on. Is there email? Is there, is there a phone number, contact information?
2: Um, yes. Well, the the, I, the the best, I would say the, the best uh, place is to go to appealinc.org. That's A-T-P-E-A-L-I-N-C.org. That's the best place you can find out everything about appeal, what we, our programs, our workshops, the, the co-ops, so on and so forth. You can also find us, on social media, uh, and, and, and every social media platform, it's Appeal Inc. It's at Appeal Inc. Basically, if you type in at Appeal Inc, uh, that's at A-P-P-E-L-I-N-C on, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever, all of them, you know, you'll find us. You know, we'll be, you'll be able to keep up on what we're doing If you, if you do want to send us an email, you can send an email to info at Appeal dot org and somebody will respond to you, that's info at appealinc.org. But appealinc.org is is, is pretty much the central place where you can get information about appeal. Again, we're on social media, and we will definitely respond to your email if you reach out to us.
1: All righty. Thank you, Dr. Kaliche Aquino. Thank you for the work that you do, especially in the Washington, D.C. area. Thank you, sir.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us, and thank you for your audience uh, for tuning in.
1: All right. That's Dr. Kalicha Egwin from Appeal Incorporated. He's the executive director. His chapter is based in Washington, D.C. Let's turn our attention to Brother Aki. Now, may have heard Brother Aki on the radio, but you don't know his background. He's more than just an activist in Baltimore. Brother Haki represents several organizations. He's president of the Teaching Arts Institute. He's treasurer for the Baltimore Community Chapter of NAND. He's also a parliamentarian board member for the Maryland Black Caucus Foundation and a board member for Operation Frederick Douglass on the Hill. And, of course, he's a, he terms of himself as an independent thinker, an organizer, and worker. Brother Haki, Happy New Year. Welcome back to the program.
5: Yes, and greetings to you, Brother Carl. and. Uh, thank you and thank, brother, Dr. Kalichi. They doing some good work with appeal. I made it to the dinner uh, that they they do every year uh, a few months ago. So, uh, but yes, Carl, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, and that, I, I tried. Wait to... a
1: second, did I leave anything out, uh, brother Haki?
5: Well, no, I, I mean, and that's what I was going to add on. Just uh, you know, sometimes people give themselves all kind of unique titles. I just say. I'm a worker, a thinker, and organizer. So that you know, Dr. Carter G. Woodson said we we need more workers, right? And that and that's the challenge that we have: people intellectualizing the issues, and you know, we we just need to get out here and think and work. That's what we do, right?
1: All right. Uh, so you get, there's an so event right. going to take place. We be Maryland. You know, a lot of pushback right. of this. They, they said it was grammatically incorrect. We be Maryland. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's it, the phrase is ebonically done. First of all, tell uh, right. us why. Why is we be Maryland? Because you know, no, you know, yeah. we we're, we're not supposed to be embracing the the, uh, the 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 I guess the the conqueror or the oppressor's uh, language. So, right. uh, um, But you know, again, it's ebonically done. So, why why that title and what does he mean?
5: Well, interestingly, so, uh, and, and, you know, I, it, it's been an interesting experience, um, you know, really just engaging different populations to expose people to various historic facts. And, you know, I've been one to, you know, learn a lot more about, uh, you know, different locations throughout, as well as different people. Um you know in in history and and certainly within the state of Maryland and and Baltimore in particular for sure so uh i i'll just give a a little story in terms of how this how this concept came up and how i had to uh take strategic initiative this year to launch it on this day uh so last year about this time uh probably a few weeks before, maybe in the, in the, before the new year Uh, former NAACP president and former Maryland gubernatorial uh, Democratic nominee, uh, Ben Jealous, he was doing a book signing uh, downtown at the library. And it it was with uh, uh, one of the, Clarence Mitchell IV, he's, you know, one of the Mitchell family members. They did an interview. And, uh, you know, and I had a conversation, a sidebar conversation, and, and I, you know, was getting books, uh, for Senator Carter, Jenna Joe Carter, as well as Dr. Maya Cummins, who is the uh, you know spouse of uh, former Congressman Elijah Cummins, or I say, Congressman Elijah Cummins, he's here with us. Uh, and I expressed that that uh, that the birthday of Elijah Cummins was coming up on January the 18th, and you know, so we, myself, Dr. Maya, she she had been working. Uh, towards something, you know, and I and I, so I just mentioned it to him, and he said, "Well, yeah, so that's uh, my birthday, and that's former Governor Martin O'Malley's birthday." And I was like, "That's that's a unique Maryland history, and it, <laughs> Maryland historical fact that many I'm sure did not know." So, uh, you know, and I mentioned it to Dr. Maya Cummings, and then she texted me back. She's like, "So, so what do you want to do? Are you telling me this for why?" And I was like, <laughs> I said, well, I don't know, but maybe think about it. And so what, what uh, later I assumed and thought about or realized, shall I say, that uh, Westmore inauguration also was on January the 18th. And so uh, for me, I just, you know, Carl, I learned, and it's almost like automatic now when I'm trying to put together like a type of event or something or anything, I always – use, um, you know, just uh, type of abbreviations or something or t- try to make it simplified. So I came up with W for Wes, E for Elijah, B for Ben, and M for Martin O'Malley. Now, again, now, and that's why I mentioned Carl, to mention my different hats, because I, you know, sometimes um, I'm not acting always as, as myself. I'm not always thinking, you know, like I'm I'm sort of... Uh, attempted to leverage the different, you know, organizations and relationships that I have to kind of have like a collective vision, right? And, but sometimes not everybody sees your vision at the proper time, and so sometimes, you know, you you have to be the one to take u- unique action. And so, so I, you know, just in terms of my experiences, I felt, you know, this is an opportunity to. Uh, You know, both. I'm I'm thinking about, you know, the Teaching Artists Institute as well, because we are, you know, a historical, cultural, uh, tourism uh, company. And, you know, so we've done some operations throughout the United States. But in terms of Maryland, we've done some different things. And so I just thought this was an opportunity to create and build alliances and uh, to build a network, to build a network of people who may not be aware. Yes. And hold
1: that thought right there, because we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, though, I want to sure. speak to the, one of the people that you mentioned. That would be the the governor. Let's start at the top, the governor. Westmore, right. why don't you give he us a, what you think? Uh, what, what sort of grade would, would you give him after one oh, year okay. in office? Okay. Family, go, you want to join this conversation with Brother Haki? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876 at 14 after the top of the hour. We're back in four minutes with your phone calls right here in Baltimore, on 1010, WOLB and the DMV were on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with a Baltimore activist, Brother Haki. You've heard him on here several times before, and he's got a, a program initiative, actually. Uh, Tell us about We Be Maryland campaign, and this is what we're discussing this morning. And Before we left for the break, I was asking him to give the governor a grade. The governor has been in office for a year now, and, you know, some people think that you know, people look around and say their lives haven't changed. i not seen much difference. Some people say, wow. you know, it's all symbolic. Some people say he's doing a good job. So, uh, uh, brother Haki, what grade did you give the governor?
5: Well, well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he's doing a good job. Uh, I mean, so and I, 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 you know, I try to listen to different, you know, uh, positions. You know, like uh, even like the Republicans and. You know, even, you know, you have some black, for instance, you know, radicals or so they they call themselves leftists and, and things of this nature. And so, I, I, you know, I try to, you know, just try to see if people are being realistic, like in their assessments of what, for instance, someone can do in a year. And, you know, for me, I mean, I'm not like in Annapolis, like, all the time, like everyone, like, like many others. But, you know, I I've come to realize that when people are, are talking about, well, what, what, you know, did he, has, he not push reparations yet. And, uh, you know, this kind of conversation, I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, these different committees I'm thinking about, I mean, yes, the, the black caucus is 65, 66 members in the state of Maryland. And I'm just thinking, like you know, how he has a lot to think about in terms of the whole state of Maryland. And you know, he, granted, this is just one year. Call, and I mean, there was a recent article. <laughs> the that's called the Baltimore Banner. They sort of took a shot. I don't, I don't know if it's a, it's considered a shot, but they called him the head fundraiser in charge of something to the fact that he raised $3 million and, you know, 1.3 million for, for president Biden. And so ultimately I feel that, uh, it's going to be a learning curve, you know? I mean, he wasn't like a, a Senator or Congressman before, like many others, many others were mayors before they were governors. And so, I mean, but his wife is certainly, she She was very politically connected and she knew she knew knows how to maneuver in Annapolis and so I think uh you know he he i'm hoping that he's relying on her not to not to suggest that he uh you know doesn't have his own you know skills and knowledge and experiences, but sometimes you know I just believe it does take a little you know while to to learn you know the the thing you're dealing with multiple billions of dollars budget. Uh, that you have to manage now, and you know it's a big task. It's a big task. Yeah, well, you know,
1: let me jump talk. in here because yeah. you mentioned that, that, that he was crit- criticized for raising money. It's one of the things of being in politics. As soon as you get in office, you got to think about how, how you're going to stay. So you got to, you know, you got to start raising money to, to remain in right. office.
5: But right, right,
1: right. The, the question is, though, for Black Marylanders, has anything changed? Mm-hmm. Can they can they can they say feel a difference? He's been in office a year, so you you saying he's kind of too soon? But can can Ooh, right. they point to anything specifically that he's done that that's changed?
5: Well, I I mean, so here's one of the things that that you know, and I'm hearing, and this is this is something that's affecting you know the Baltimore audiences and you know the red line, uh, you know, and and one of the delegates, Malcolm Ruff, you know, he feels like that. You know, people have different perceptions. So there are some angry activists in what's called the Emerson Village area that doesn't, you know, feel like that um, that this is being promoted and given the proper attention. And so I, I don't know if the whole trickle down thing, like everybody's gonna gonna experience uh you know a, a particular field but i i think that you know sometimes things begin with different types of appointments that he makes now i'll just give you this example for me in terms of you know how i'm thinking like uh and, and brother um i wanted to give a shout out to um uh, attorney jay wendell gordon he just got appointed to the african commission uh, you know a few others uh uh, you know, he, uh, Governor Westmore appointed a few individuals, and so I'm looking at like, okay, how do organizations like myself and other organizations, you know, take advantage of the opportunities that may more so the the trickle down, the trickle down may not trickle down if you're not trying to trickle up. If what I'm saying to to connect to the right people and make things happen, but bringing things to the table, and that's why I feel you know like how I'm positioned in the state of maryland is going to manifest different benefits and then you know i can be like a, a power broker if you will to create other opportunities so that's what i feel um you know honestly sincerely respectfully can happen
1: well i'm glad that you're in that position to do that because i'm sure people have issues they like to put on the, the governor's desk and like him to respond uh, Right, uh, right because right, frankly right. Uh, you know uh, brother hockey i, I think we we as black people, you know, we, as far as politicians are concerned, we, you know, we, people are sort of are tired of seeing a black face in a high place and not seeing any really something constructive being done. And now behind the scenes, things might be being done and they just haven't, as you mentioned, trickled down, use that phrase, hasn't trickled down to, to the black person in uh, Baltimore, anywhere, in, any city in, in the Maryland. But, you know, it's, it's managed to in, impact other folks, but the folks who look like us, maybe we're expecting too much. I don't know. But having said right. that, we got a bunch of folks want to talk to you, Haki, so stand yeah, by. Yeah,
5: sure, sure, sure. Thank Let's
1: you. Let's go with Charles first. He's in Baltimore. He's on line one. Good morning, Charles. Good
2: morning, Yeah, how's everyone today? What's up, Charles? All right. Yeah, um, my question is, um, how did you and Cole become agents for white supremacy?
3: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
1: Because we All have it. Right. Goodbye, Charles. <laughs> okay, we not we, we do not accept that. <laughs> <laughs> you know when he comes in. When he comes to start telling lies on us now, come on, uh, Charles. Thank you for your call. Let's keep listening, and you'll understand. But see,
5: see, see. That's the problem, Carl. Yeah. And this, let me tell you, I come from the streets, the real streets in Baltimore City. Like, and these people, they think they being conscious and revolutionary. They don't know nothing about nothing revolution at all they not doing nothing they don't they don't even go to their community association meetings they not involved with nothing they not they not working with youth. some of these angry activists out here they ain't doing the basics to transform our community so i don't want to hear some of these you know people they go on youtube listen to these dusty people like dame dame calloway crazy uh negro that don't want to claim he from africa so I can
1: get down with you. Yeah, well, hockey, you don't give them any energy. So just let's move on. Yeah, cause I don't I that's, want that's to give them any energy. That's how you deal yeah. with that. You, you just don't. You just, you just keep on moving. You don't give them any energy. Go, they don't deserve go your, go your go time. Call. Yeah, let's I'm keep gonna, moving. At 29 out of the top. Yeah, Smitty's calling from Baltimore. He has a question or a comment. He's online, too. Good morning, Smitty.
6: Yes, good, good, good morning. morning. Uh, Brother Hakeem, don't get yourself upset. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I do know that you you've been working hard and conscientious in the community to help us. We we've got to stop trying to tear down one another and see if we can build a strong with each other that we have. Uh, to answer the question that Call just asked about our governor, even though it's been a year, but I'm so mm-hmm. tired of people saying how much time it's been with a person when a person assumes a responsibility. We should be mm-hmm. seeing. Immediately, results coming right away. This community is in so much of a dying need to help seniors and other things that are needed to be helped. We just don't have the time to waste. And i want to say, as far as what I saw with 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 the uh, graveyard, you know, call those people were on uh, the African Met graveyard sites. They said that they were right. not able to get any contact when they called off the uh, governor's office. I have that on tape. And needs to beef up the response that is needed to communicate with affairs that communities are having problems with. We need more of a visual concept and whatever we need to do to help this governor to understand that vision that we need. We can't keep waiting like we're waiting. I got seniors that are in senior buildings that are not getting essential service. Rents are going up, escalating, and they're not getting any more money. We've got a problem with transportation where the whole system here in Baltimore is down. There is so many things that we need him to speak on.
1: So, Let me jump in and ask you this, though. Have, have you guys reached out to him before we start knocking him down? we reached out to the governor?
6: Every Every day, call, from what I understand, I, I got the program with seniors taking action. Every day somebody calls me and tells me they've called the offices and they haven't gotten any response. This is yes. something that's got to change. We, we, we've got we, to take care of our people who are in need of essential services. We just can't stay in an isolated mode regardless what color we are sitting in these seats. We've got to get these people to understand that the value is helping our people who will need essential services to be provided in our community.
1: I totally agree, especially the homelessness. Uh, so, Brother Haki, has a, uh, do you know? Because, you know, a lot of times the things are being done behind the scenes and we don't know. You probably have to speak with some people in the legislature, what he's been pushing, yeah. what he's signed, or what he can do. Because, you know, we think that he can do everything, it's all elected officials, but there's a, it's a process they have to go through. I'm not defending them. I'm just saying this is how, this is how it works. Is a process they have to go through. Having said that, though, there's still some things that he can do. Has he, in your estimation, what Smitty mentioned, all the problems that Smitty mentioned, has he, has he, has he spoken, has he, you know, come to the areas, he looked at, you know, the, the 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 problems with the elderly, the problem with the homeless, the problem with our young people, has he said anything? I mean, all, all, all sometimes all he has to do is make a statement, you know, that's all sometimes it'll right. an take, and people are people will accept that. So, I'll give well, I'll let you hear your response to what Smitty just said.
5: Well. And I think, uh, Brother Smithy, I think he's, uh, you know, has has a, uh, an honest I- experience, and you know, I'm not like as aware, you know, like uh, directly, um, you know, with with you know those levels of responses. I mean, you know, so my 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 space of you know where I've been working, I I couldn't. You know, say that, you know, I'm connected to people that call the governor's office on a regular basis. But no, it's it's certainly a concern. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I definitely will, will, you know, try to, you know, follow up because, you know, I don't, I never had no way of, of knowing something like that. But yeah, definitely, Brother Smitty, I, I want to, you know, find out more about that. And, you know, we.
1: Well, hold clear. on, thought right there, Brother Hockey. I'll let you finish your response on the other side. We're going to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. But there are some people in our community, they, they, they do have the governor's ear now. They can they can pick up the phone and call and he'll respond. Are those people, when we come back, maybe you can help us out. Are those, people, are those people highlighting some of the issues in the community that Smitty just mentioned? I'll let you respond when we get back. 26 minutes away from the Top the family. I guess the brother Haki, as you know, him, is an activist in Baltimore. He's involved in several areas. You want to reach wow. or join this conversation, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB. If you're in the DMV, or are rolling on FM 95.9 and a.m. 1450. W-O-L, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 21 minutes away from the top of the hour with the brother Haki. is an activist out of Baltimore City and discussing several issues here. His, and uh, his We Be Maryland day that's taking place coming up, he's going to give us more information about that. Before we go back, then, though, let me just remind you that coming up later, we're going to speak with a uh, chematologist Tony Browder. And uh, tomorrow, of course, is Friday. We'll give you another chance to free your mind and reach out to us in our open Phone Friday program. Again, promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern Time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV. Right on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL and please call early. a lot of times we, on the shows a whole bunch of folks are still holding Can't couldn't get on so again we start at 6 a.m. Eastern time for so those of you listening to us right now and want to free your mind on Friday uh, before we left uh, Brother Haki there was a question about because we we're talking about on the governor and I got a tweet for you I'll let you respond the, the, the person said the tweeter says the governor is running a state he responds to who calls and there's a question so I'll let you respond do you know of people have directly uh, approached the governor. Some issues that Smitty talked about.
5: I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? I heard background noise.
1: Yeah, it, it, it has. Has then the some of the problems that Smitty and mentioned. Do you know if anybody, anywhere, has approached the governor with those problems? With they put those uh, well, conditions on on his desk.
5: Here's what I do know, Carl. And you know, Maryland is unique, brothers and sisters. For those that are listening now, Outside, I mean, if we honestly and sincerely going to believe in elections and, you know, democratic processes, like Maryland should be, you know, the blackest place on the planet. And I'm, you know, personally here, I mean, you know, we have Everyone's Place Bookstore. I don't want to go in a spill, but we, you know, the largest black caucus in the state of Maryland. Like, if we can't think that these black members don't like like none of them you don't like none of them none of them worthy to to, for you to talk to to think that they could be like representing you so I'm just saying just imagine what other states would go through when they have less numbers and Maryland is one of the wealthiest states as well and you know in terms of education is high you know I mean not not perhaps not Prince George County and Baltimore City but you know there are tremendous opportunities here that you know other places don't necessarily have. But to answer your question, Carl, I think that uh, you know sometimes you got to go through different chain channels and different chains of commands to get things done. I uh, you know respectfully believe you know sometimes you got to you know keep raising the issue because you know people you know they they trying to manage resources and priorities and so i don't know uh you know sometimes it takes numbers some you know if, if an issue yeah if I, that and, relevant, and that's yeah.
1: and that's important let me interject this brother hockey because a lot of times we, mm-hmm. we you know we we take on our own you know we we could we 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 don't confront the other folks, like, you know, like like the, like how we confront our own. Oh, you know, you're a sellout. You give all kinds of names. We we, we, we commit all those crimes that Dr. Oh, oh, Wilson yeah. talks about. You know, racism, white supremacy. The first thing they start right. with name calling and pointing fingers at each other, but they never ask the oppressor the same question they never they never ask they never go to them and ask them why aren't you talking about reparations but if you're a black re- elected official you have to you must talk about reparations but you give the oppressor a pass so somehow we've got to expand our minds and understand how the system works and, and not expect all all, all the time an HBO help a brother out from from a, a black person, whether it be an electrician, a doctor, a politician, because they that's the job, that's what they have to do. So once we understand that, you know, the, the government he is a politician, and you know mm-hmm. he's supposed to be represent. We voted for him, so he's supposed to represent our needs. But that's not giving him a pass. We just need to keep it, keep it, you know, keep it knocking right. on his door and let him know there are some issues that, that he needs to address in our community. And I think that's where we lack, instead of doing that, we're, we're calling names and pointing fingers about what he's not doing and he's who's a sellout and who's not a sellout. And usually the person who makes those uh, uh, complaints, they're, they're, the biggest sellouts, but I want to move on. I don't want to dwell too much sure, on sure, that because sure. you have sure, an sure, event sure, tonight sure. in Annapolis. Can you talk about that?
5: Right. Thank, thank you, brother Carl. And, and, uh, you know, definitely. So yeah, we'll be there's a black pizza place on Main Street, one thirty-three Main Street, five thirty to seven thirty uh PM. And uh we're gonna give actually a few community awards and you know, many uh a few community awards, one to Councilwoman Felicia Porter. Uh she's in the 10th district, she's the one that's uh in the Brooklyn area. Uh uh and Dr. Miriam Summers, the president of the Baltimore community. Chapter of NAND, National Action Network, as well as the fifth generation descendant of Frederick Douglass, Terrence Bailey, Sr., um, Operation on a Hill in the Eastern Shore. So and uh, we'll get a citation from Dr. Uh, I'm sorry, Delegate Donnie Tavares, uh, legislator in Annapolis. So we'll get a citation recognizing we be Maryland. Uh, launch, shall I say. It's not a particular day until the governor uh, acknowledges it. But, you know, I, I did my due diligence and planted the seeds. And, you know, possibly the first lady may arrive. So we're still negotiating on that. But that's this evening, 530 to 730.
1: All right, fifteen away from the top. There, you take tri- uh, trips. You take students uh, across the country. You also take trips t- to the continent. Uh, can you talk about the, the the trips that you have? First, the the, the freedom rides, and also uh, yeah. then the, the, the trip to Africa.
5: Well, thank you, Carl, and I appreciate that. And and here's the thing: like, I mean, for the past, let me just and and this this just goes into what. You talk about now, Carl. I don't want people to think like you know. I got some pull. Like I call people, and and they just will stop what they're doing to see what, what 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 I want. You know, you have to have a level of you know skills to network to know, like you know, people have their particular interest. They have a collective interest you know, like like the Black Caucus, for instance, they have, you know, a black agenda, but many of them, they represent districts. And I, I just mentioned that to say for the past two years that, that we've done the Freedom Rise, that means taking 35 youth through 10 different states throughout the South. And we're doing it again in 2024 June, in the, like, sometime in June. I don't have a fly in front of me. I think it's the 8th through the 16th or something. But you would think, I mean, and not to say you would think, but we think that people just dropping what they're doing to come help us. Sometimes you got to make some noise. Sometimes you got to create wins and collective wins for other people to see where they see the bigger picture. And I, I just say that to say not everybody has opened the doors, and people I've known for 20 years helped out win le- elections, and, and some people haven't lifted a finger. But am I stopping? No, I'm just going to keep on organizing, keep, you know, making things happen. And so we're excited about this happening. This is going to be the third year for the Freedom Rides. And so, you know, just reliving and understanding we just had Dr. King's holiday. However anyone feel about that, we're, we're trying to really just let the young people know that there is history beyond their neighborhoods, beyond Baltimore. And so that's going to be an amazing experience with the Freedom Rides, but also like, and here's the thing called. called there's a brother Charles, uh, man, man, the one who wrote the book, The Devil. You know that also. He he's uh, Charles Blow, maybe his name. He, he he talks about relocating down south, you know, which you know for to build like the Black Power Manifesto is is the book, and. Here's the thing. I'm, you know, I'm strategizing. I'm thinking along the lines of, uh, you know, where do we build power? Because that's the ultimate conversation. That's the Amos Wilson, Dr. Claude Anderson conversation. Let me go into my scholarship com- conversation that we need to have. And ultimately, we have to recognize that there just may be certain limitations, for instance, in America, if you will. And so this is why you know for the past 2 3 years we've gone to tanzania to kenya to south africa to zimbabwe bringing groups uh, and uh we had the summer learning institute last year and we 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 in the fence about that but we definitely will uh uh do uh ethiopia uh in november after the the election so that's going to be a major major thing we we hope to um uh have a Let me ask you this together. question,
1: though. At ten minutes mm-hmm. away from the top, there, brother Haki, yes, do you notice a different energy from the the people who have traveled to you with you to the continent than people who have never left the neighborhood? Is, is have you noticed a different energy between them, and even the folks who who travel you da- down south? Have you noticed a, right. a, a difference in attitude?
5: Well, yeah. Well, one of the things, you know, like when we're there, I mean, and and, and, and let me just plug, and, and we pray for. Uh, State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby today she goes to court, but uh, she you know even with in the midst of her you know trials and and you know what's going on with her she came with us. She had her young ones. She said, Wh- whatever happens, she, her children will will see you know and 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 experience this." And so we you know pray for her today, but we. Definitely. I mean, we were in North Carolina, the uh, where the uh, Woolworths is. They actually have the, the original pieces, and we walked through the museum. One of the young people said, I can see myself doing this, doing the job as a curator. You know, just creating different ideas in, in young people's minds about what their uh, potential is. And unfortunately, if, if they don't see different people, if they don't see themselves and in other individuals, Outside of Maryland, outside of Baltimore, they may think that all that that there is is what's happening on the corner, right? And so that's the reality of what this this does to the minds of the create creating leaders, you know, creating ideas. And unfortunately, that's how they caught the slave mind, you know, by not informing us about different things. And so this is where our responsibility is. We talk about do do doing for self. Well, that's what you call doing for self, educating our own.
1: I right, ask you, this is a nine away from the top there. What sort of feedback have you received from all this?
5: Yeah, well, uh, so interesting. I mean, and I'm glad you interested in the, the Weeby Maryland part. I mean, if somebody said something to similar to what you said, but you know, also people people understood for instance, you know, like, are right, you using the acronym? That's okay. Cause people do that. But, you know, in terms of li- just being objective, you know, for me, but, and this is why I wanted you to read like my, bio- you know, some of the some, the different organizations that I'm affiliated with, because sometimes you build different networks uh, for different reasons. And sometimes you, you're coming for instance, as a group versus the individual, but I you know, I, I realize some of the individuals, for instance, that their birthday is the day, Elijah Cummins, Ben Jealous and former Governor Martin O'Malley. Well, here's here's the thing. Like the story was told to me as, you know, uh Elijah Cummins' birthday and former governor Martin O'Malley. I'm just telling the story just how it was told to me on that on that level. Uh, you know, I've had one lady say, "I don't want to do nothing with Ben Jealous and and Martin O'Malley." I'm like, "Look, well, it's not for you, like, but you know, here's the thing. I know, for instance, that there are people out here that re- respect and or re- appreciate these particular individuals. I, you know, for what it's worth, I'm in the tourism space. You know, we're talking about Maryland business. I, I, you know, I'm here in the state of Maryland. I don't identify with some of these other you know, people in other places and their struggles. I mean, I with with uh, we have some unique opportunities here in the state of Maryland that we need to take advantage of. And we have the largest Black Caucus. And if y'all don't want to support nobody, support me with the Black Caucus Foundation. That's where potentially the real sum of the power can come because we can create ideas and be as black as we want to be. So, but yes, yeah, so that's where you know, call for so instance. You know building different allies and creating and this is what you know I'm building a few more allies in Annapolis so that if I wanted to do something or next year we wanted to do something on a larger scale uh we would have the allies to do that so this is what you know this is sometimes you 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 create uh different types of allies to carry out different functions so that's what what I mean by you know, some of the feedback I've gotten. So these people are different places. You know, you got the hardcore people, you know, they don't like they don't like Democrats, they don't like you know, they don't like uh, you know, people that, that got elected to certain positions. You know,
1: so let's be real. uh, They just don't like anybody, brother hockey. Hold that thought right there. We got to take a short break. And those are people who usually aren't doing anything. That's 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 the reputation that uh, some people in Baltimore. And in fact, before I got here, people told me that that that's the problem with Baltimore. You know, and and sometimes I listen to some of the folks who call in and I got to shake my head because that person nailed it. Because instead of doing anything, all they do is complain. We want people who are doing something, coming up with solutions. That's where we're at. Six away okay. from the top. I will come back with Brother Hakeem, let him finish up, and then we can speak with uh, Brother Tony Browder, chematologist, right here in Baltimore in four minutes on 1010 WOLB and the DMV are on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. good morning once again family one minute after the top there with our guest brother haki is an activist in baltimore he's got an event taking place tonight in annapolis in, in annapolis and also he's got an event taking place on sunday he wants to talk about it. before we do that let me just remind you coming up momentarily, we're going to speak with chematologist tony browder so uh, brother haki what's going on on sunday
3: mcdonald's is not new to chicken
5: Well, thank you, Brother Carl, and uh, let me just give a shout out to um, you know Brother Willie Flowers. Uh, you know he, his his uh, branch at NAACP in, in Howard County was very supportive with the Freedom Ride uh, last year, well, 2023. And um, but yeah, so this Sunday we're gonna have uh, you know more of just just teaching artists too. We we you know definitely have some Nan leadership present. You know uh, that's gonna support a jazz. Uh, more so, a uh, dinner. Three to seven. Uh, we're gonna have a saxophonist and a DJ at the UB Blake Center this Sunday. Free event, free food. You know, sponsored by the Teaching Artists Institute and uh, Baltimore uh, NAN, so Baltimore Community Chapter of NAN. So just come on out uh, to um, to the uh, you know UB Blake Center. Everybody knows where it's at on Howard Street in Baltimore. And tonight. Oh, yeah. So tonight, definitely, um, for those that can make it to Annapolis, I know it's uh, going to be a little cold, frigid, but, you know, for those uh, 133 Main Street, it's called Trop Pizza. It's a black-owned pizza spot. Got free pizza there for everybody, uh, 530 to 730. Uh, we're looking forward to building some alliances. It's a very strategic uh, move we're creating, and, you know, others can be on board in some capacities. It's all about us collectively winning. We're also looking forward this year, brother, called just Tanzania, Ethiopia, and even Ghana. So we got a few things coming up. So that's uh, definitely one to plug that. But we'll we'll get back to that.
1: You know, one of the things I like that you do take youngsters on these trips as well because these absolutely. are life changing for some people. And for most people who've never been to Africa before, the first time they go, absolutely they come come back a different person. And let me just say this, family, if you before you check out make it a put it on your books so that you want a, a bucket list that you go to Africa at least a, any African state you know what I'm saying go to Ghana or go to Egypt or, or South Africa you pick one you your life will change indeed, so indeed. I, I'm glad that what you' taking these young people because you get them at an early age and they, they see they see black people running things totally from the top to the bottom mm. in, in a black indeed. country yes, it, it, yes, it's 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 life-changing so for folks who want to get in touch with you brother Hakeem, one minute probably those trips whether they go uh, look at that southern history or want to go to the continent how do they reach you
5: definitely well uh i I say go to our teaching artists institute facebook page of course but um easy i could just give out my phone number uh 410-209-9687 again 410-209-9687 uh definitely looking forward to hearing from brother Tony Brada next up, and, uh, you know, he's done a tremendous work with the uh, Renoco film, and I got the link, and so we're going to make some things happen with honoring uh, Dr. Rinoco received as well, so, and thank you, Tony, too.
1: All right, thank you, Brother Haki, and and keep up the good work, man, just keep on doing it, because we're going to (laughs) win, that's all, we're we're already on the way, so don't worry about it. all, All right, right uh, it's Brother Hakee calling from uh, Baltimore. Let's turn our attention now to Brother Tony Browder. Brother Tony Browder, Happy New Year. Hotep, welcome back.
5: Hotep, Brother Carl, Happy New Year to
7: you. Happy New Year to your listeners. And a uh, big shout-out to uh, Brother Hakee for the wonderful work that he's doing in Baltimore, which is a very unique city in a very unique state.
1: All right. Well, I I know we're going to leave it right there on that issue. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah, but first of all, congratulations being a grandfather. Let I me mean, shout you. shout out about that. Uh, uh grandbaby and and daughter doing well?
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Atlantis just uh returned home from the hospital yesterday. Her her son was born on uh Sunday. And uh, it was a phenomenal delivery. Uh, She just came, Alantis just came home from the hospital yesterday. And what was so interesting, Carl, we were riding back from, from the hospital, Washington Hospital Center. And I was listening to the rerun of yesterday's show, right? This is around 5.30 or so. I'm listening to yesterday's show and I'm listening to this physician on your show talking about how black women, are being marginalized by physicians in the hospital. So I'm getting into the conversation, and Atlantis is on the phone, and then she turns the radio down and then puts the person that she has on the phone on speakerphone so that I can hear, and she's walking Atlantis through the process. She was um, a doctor who was uh, advising Atlantis on on certain things that needed to be done in the hospital. Uh, She's the daughter, this doctor is the daughter of atlantis's first uh boss, uh Dr. Benita Thompson, who is the director founding Director of Roots Activity Learning Center, which is an african center school in d c so she's talking to atlantis and, and and cheering her on for doing so good and being an advocate for herself in the hospital and after they finished the call, I turned the radio back on, and Atlantis is listening to the doctor on the radio, she said, "Wait a minute, that voice sounds familiar. It was the same doctor. it was Dr. A, right." Um, and the beauty of that was that when Atlantis went in, into the hospital, uh, 6 a.m. Sunday morning, uh, the daughter of a good friend of mine, uh, her name is uh, Sister Bill Keese, had been uh, working with Atlantis on, on birthing. Uh, Bill Keese is about nine, ten years older than Atlantis. She has three adult children now. So she's been down this road before. And she was talking to Atlantis about breathing, about birthing, hypnosis, a whole host of things that I, as a man, knew nothing about, but she had experience with. And she had been working with Atlantis, uh, helping her, helping to prepare her for the process. So, when we got to the hospital at 6 a.m., Sister Bill Keith came 30 minutes later, and she was with Atlantis every step of the way, reminding her on, on on breathing and and being calm and making decisions. And I watched these two sisters work together. Well, when it got to the point where Atlantis's water was about to break, Sister Bill left the room, and then three. Black doctors came in. It was an elderly doctor who was taking the lead on, uh, on this procedure. It was a young intern who the elderly doctor was walking through the process. And then there was another uh, sister, OBG, right who was overseeing everything. And, brother, I sat back and watched these three sisters, three different generations, work with my daughter and walk her through this process. Just that less than 20 minutes after Atlantis's water broke, she gave birth to her son. And, and, and they, they calmed her down. They, they talked with her about pushing and pushing. And yes, it's going to hurt you, but you've got to push through it. They explained everything to her that was happening. And I had such uh, great, I took such great delight in watching these three black women Work with my daughter and care for her as if she was their own daughter, as if she was their own sister as she was their best friend and I understood very clearly what black women how black women feel when they talk about going into hospitals, going into doctors' offices and being ignored simply because they're black because they're dealing with a a physician who is who is European or or non-Black, who don't see them as human beings. And to hear Dr. A uh, yesterday evening give voice to a reality that too many of our our people, women and men, experience whenever they go to the doctor's office, whenever they go to a hospital. These issues are real. But to know that there are sisters uh, and brothers out there who care for their patients, and, and we have to seek them out, but also we have we have a responsibility as patients to go to the hospital, to go to our doctor's office, uh, prepared to have some knowledge about whatever the the issue is that we're dealing with, to have intelligent conversations with these caregivers so that they can provide the best quality of care possible. So uh, I'm I'm grateful to be a grandfather. Um, There's been a few complications with my grandson from respiratory issues, but he should be home tomorrow. And you know, there's nothing more helpless than to see your child or your grandchild uh, being being discomforted, and you are unable to do anything to help them, and you're at the mercy of these healthcare professionals who know their job, and you just watch them do what they are trained to do, but you also have to be engaged with them. You also have to ask them questions. Now, I'm the type of patient who wants to know everything that's going on with my care or anybody else's care. Uh, I want to know the prescriptions. I want to know the procedures. And what I found, Carl, is that when doctors are engaging with a patient or uh, a family member of a patient who asks pointed questions, who comes prepared with information about medication, the quality of care shifts dramatically. So I'm encouraging everyone who has a medical issue to, number one, stay on top of your medical issue. You don't just go to the doctor to be healed. You as a patient uh, are an active participant in your healing process. And if we're really honest, Doctors and nurses work for you because it is the money that comes out of your pocket or out of uh, your insurance company's pocket that pays their salary, that pays for all the medication you're getting. And when you act in a proactive manner, the quality of the relationship between you and your health care provider shifts dramatically.
1: All right. Hold that thought right there, Brother Tony. We've got to take a short break. When we come back, though, I want you to tell us if there are any rituals, African rituals that are in the birthing process. You, you were there when uh, Dr. Wilson made her transition, and you shared some of the uh, rituals that our sisters, that the sisters were there at the, at the hospital at the time. But share with us when we get back, though, so some of us can learn some of these uh, processes that take place. Family, you want to join this conversation with Tony Browder, reach out to us at 800 450 7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest, chematologist Tony Browder. And we're going to talk about uh, Dr. Anoka Rashidi and also talk about the ASA uh, project as well as some other projects that Tony's working on. But before we do all of that, though, you mentioned that now he's a granddad. And first of all, Tony Atlantis, did she name the child? And uh, your son, your grandson? And tell us about if there were any rituals that we as Americans go through, because you mentioned you were there when Dr. Wilson made her transition and many of us learned, you know, what should be done during that period. So I'm just wondering if there's anything that we should be aware of during the birthing period, experience.
7: Oh, for sure, Carl. Well, um, Elijah's son was born at uh, 8.43 AM on Sunday. He weighed 4.8 pounds. He was um, under five pounds, which means that typically a child under five pounds has to spend some time at the um, uh, NICU unit at the hospital until their weight gets up. But that wasn't an issue. Anathesis has a small frame, so it was expected that her child would be rather small. So he's fine, and he should be home tomorrow. Um, And the name his name is um, Anthony. Uh, she and, and the father decided to name the child after me. His middle name is Taharka. Um, his last name is Browder. So he carries he carries uh, the same energy as both Atlantis and I. Um, Atlantis' name middle name is Tai, named after a uh, queen T in Kemet. So all three of us have the same initials ATB, and all three of our names. Our uh, first name is three syllables, second name is two syllables, uh, third name is three syllables. So it's all about, you know, having a name that has a certain vibration, that has a certain frequency, that has a certain energy, uh, because I understand that um, children are returning ancestors. Newborn children are returning ancestors. Now, this is a philosophy, a a way of life that is acknowledged primarily in countries outside of America, uh, countries that have strong indigenous traditions. So you'll find among Native people here in North America, Central America, and South America, you'll find these traditions among uh, African people throughout the continent and around the diaspora. And part of this understanding, Carl, is rooted in the fact that there is no death. Uh, Last month when I was on your show, I think it was the 17th of December, uh, I wound I up talking about this idea of the uh, rehemi the repetition of the birth, this idea of reincarnation, this idea that the body is temporary, but the soul is eternal, and souls come back into bodies in order to advance through life over multiple lifetimes. And if we understand the reality of that process, then knowing that there is no death allows you to live your life fears, fearlessly, and also allows you to understand the significance of what you know Baba D Gregory first turned me on to around 1973, this idea of karma, cause and effect. We create the, the the realities that manifest themselves in our lives, and if we truly understand the interconnectedness of all of these processes, if we are souls. Uh, spiritual beings having a human experience, ancestors who have returned from the ancestral realm into the physical realm to continue our life's journey and connect all of these understandings together, then we will realize that ancestors are born into the world as new children. So in um, Burkina Faso, among the Dagara people, They have a ritual known known as a a birthing ritual where a pregnant mother goes and meets with um, a healer, a seer, a teacher who does a reading, and they will determine which ancestor is going to be returning in the newborn child that the mother is about to bring into the world. So if you want to identify which ancestor soul is coming back into the body of that child? Then you know what to name, you know the sex of that child, you know what to name that child, because that name will will describe their life force, the energy that's gonna flow through them that will help them accomplish their goals. And you have a clear idea of of uh the work that they're going to do as as young adults and adults. So it's in um, um, the book called The Spirit of Intimacy by the wife of Maladoma Somme. I'm blanking on her first name right now. But she lays all of this out as a part of their culture. And so in African tradition, uh, you're born, and the village is responsible for helping the parents raise the child. So that, that phrase that Hillary Clinton popularized, it takes a village to uh, raise a child is one portion of a a con saying, which is it takes a woman to have a child, but it takes the village to raise it. So everybody in the village, everybody in the community has a vested interest in in welcoming this returning ancestor into the village and then helping them to stay on their life's path for the benefit Of the community. So if everybody around you understands that process, they realize that we're all working together for a collective goal. So that one of the downsides of enslavement and the miseducation of African people is to erase that memory. That we are just here as individuals, that we have not lived before. This is the only life we live, and when we die, we go to heaven and hell. That is nonsense. But when you can reorient yourself to that which makes historical, cultural, and spiritual sense, you're able to tap into uh, a deeper source of power, which we've always carried with us. And then as that child progresses, they go through write a passage which prepares them for adulthood. And then they move through junior adulthood, senior adulthood, junior eldership, senior eldership, And then after the age of 73, they become a wise elder. So I'm looking forward to entering my wise eldership phase of life uh, this year. And then the elders will ultimately die. And after they die, they will become ancestors. So in traditional African societies, 40 days after your death is your ascension into ancestorhood. And then once you ascend to ancestorhood, you've you've gone through the process that is quite well known in the Nile Valley as the weighing of the soul, where your heart, which is... Considered to be the seat of the soul, is weighed opposite the feather of Ma'at, and you had to declare your innocence by reciting the 42 admonitions of Ma'at. And if your heart is as light as a feather, it means that you've lived a righteous life in that lifetime. That then pays dividends and prepares you for your next lifetime when you incarnate. And so it's the process of uh, conception where. The sperm from the man and the egg from the woman uh, then activate that egg and makes it possible for life to begin again in the womb of that woman. And then the the soul of that ancestor comes in and and lives within that body and is born again that is the whole process of being born again that is the process of the life cycle and when you understand that then it means that there are certain things that the man and woman should do prior to conception because there is an understanding in many traditions that the consciousness of the man and the woman at the time of conception determines the consciousness of the child there's also an understanding that children Choose their parents. So in the ancestor realm, uh, if a person understands what their mission is in life, or what Dr. Wilson referred to as your global assignment, then you will look for the parents who will. Come together to create this life that will allow you to fulfill your cosmic assignment, your life's purpose. So if you understand these concepts and ideas, then life becomes a joy. Life is not something to be fearful of. And, and then when a person is ending is their life, as, as Dr. Wilson was and, and several others, if you're there in the room, with that person, and, and last month when I was on your show call, I talked about being at my mother's bedside as she was taking her last breath. And if you understand that the soul is about to leave this body and the body would just become a shell, then there are specific things that you can say, specific things that you can do to prepare that soul on its journey into the ancestral realm, where they will be greeted by other loving ancestors. You can open that 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 spirit door for them and ease this transition from life into ancestralhood so that they can then be better prepared to begin this journey to come back into uh, life again. as an infant, and the process starts again. So this is is it in a nutshell, Uh, but the other thing that I'm so excited about, Carl, is that I hope and I pray that uh, the the soul that has returned uh, in the body of my grandson is the soul of my grandfather, so that I will have an opportunity to be the grandfather to my grandchild, which my grandfather was to me. My creativity uh, comes to me from my grandfather. I was the first grandchild in um, in my mother's family. My mother was 16 when I was born. So my first five years of life, I grew up in her household. So my mother's parents were like my parents. and. I latched on to specific personality traits from my grandfather and my grandmother that I've carried with me all my life. And now that they're both ancestors, those are are two souls that, that I reach out to, that I pour libation to on a regular basis because I knew them. I know that they're real. I know that they love me. And I know how to petition them to come forward and assist me when I ask for assistance. So all of these concepts, Carl, are are real concepts that have been erased from our historical cultural memory by our oppressors in order to keep us afraid and ignorant of the true power that we possess. And, you know, my interest in Nile Valley civilization is really just an entree into understanding African consciousness, African history, and African spirituality. So it doesn't matter to me what part of Africa you connect with. What's important is that you connect with some part of Africa because that is who we are. And when we begin to recover and restore those memories, which our uh, former and current oppressors know are the key to our spiritual power. When we recover that, then there is nothing that our oppressor can do to limit the activation of the soul force, which we carry with us all of our lives.
1: All right. Brother Tony Compton on a break, and and, uh, I just got a tweet from Greg. He says he was just in tears hearing what you just said. But he also had a question about what happens in that forty days after after you, the start of the transition. I'll let you explain this when we get back. What happens in the forty days before you're accepted in? Where is the soul? So he, he wants to like that. But he says he, he said, "Man, I'm in tears." Here, brother Tony's talking about family. <laughs> Call up some of your friends. Tell them that Tony Browder's on the radio. You're going to learn something this morning. 26 minutes away from the top of the hour. As I mentioned, we've got to step aside, take a short break. We're back in four minutes, though. Right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. We're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family, 22 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest chemistologist, Tony Browder. We'll get back to Tony in a moment. Just reminding that tomorrow's Friday, and we're going to give you another chance to free your mind, think for yourself, and reach out to us on our Open Phone Friday program. again promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern time, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. I don't want to get some other things, there, Brother Tony, but uh, Greg, and Greg says he's a growing A man, and he's in tears at what you just said, but he he wants to know what happens during this 40-day duration before the soul moves on.
7: So let's look at uh, 40 days. Let's look at the number 40. Uh, The number four is a number that represents a foundation or a base. Masons take their oath on the square. Uh, The original size of D.C., according to Article I, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution, was D.C. was to be a 10-mile square that was oriented to the four cardinal points of the compass, north, south, east, and west. And it was Benjamin Banneker's job to orient uh, this capital city to these cardinal points so that it could be aligned to certain celestial bodies, so that certain— Things could happen. Majority of the people responsible for founding this country were Masons, but then it makes sense that the capital of um, the most powerful nation in human history was conceived to be designed as a 10 mile square, as the foundation for which these white men were going to rule this country and rule the world. If we think in terms of the Bible, and the number 40, Jesus fasted for 40 days. Uh, Noah and the ark, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Jonah spent 40 days in the belly of the whale. So four of the number 40 represents a foundation or, or shifting from one reality to another reality. So the 40 days that a soul spends between the time that it leaves this earthly body and the time it ascends into ancestorhood is, is a time frame for that soul to review its life, right? To to see if it fulfilled its cosmic assignment in this particular incarnation. So you look at were you fair to others? Did you tell the truth? Uh were you violent against others? Did you did you acknowledge the creator of your people? So these 42 admonitions of uh, of Mahat, these 42 declarations of innocence are are your final exam. And so as you review your life, you then begin to understand how successful you were in completing the job from your previous lifetime. And then as you ascend into the realm of an ancestor with this higher, clearer consciousness on a soul level, then you are in a better position to then give guidance to those physical souls that you left behind on the earthly plane. So I remember as as a child, growing up in my grandparents' household, how my grandmother, who was a deeply religious person, uh, whenever she was faced with making a difficult decision, she would say, well, I need to sleep on it. And then after taking this thought, this this decision, uh, these concerns uh, to bed with her in her sleep, then she would wake up in the morning and say, well, you know, I know what to do now. A little birdie told me X, Y, Z and A, B and C. As a child. I didn't understand the symbolic language that my grandmother was speaking. And I think to some extent she didn't understand the cultural symbolic language that she was speaking when she said a little birdie told her to do X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C. When she was dreaming, her soul went into the ancestral realm and communicated with her ancestors who she gave this problem to. And in the ancestral dimension, Uh, There's this thing which we can call, for lack of a better term, timelessness, where the past, the present, and the future all exist simultaneously, right? Um, And quantum physics is kind of addressing that issue now by saying that everything uh, exists everywhere all at the same time. String theory and all these other ideas are scientific ways of acknowledging African spirituality. But <clears throat> well, when my grandmother said that a little birdie told her, it took me 30-some ideas to understand that this little birdie that she was talking about was the Ba, right? And the Ba is that image you see painted in in, in tombs and on the in Kemet, and Kush, and other areas of the Nile Valley where you see a bird with a human head. That is the Ba. And that represents the soul of the person who comes from the ancestor realm back into the physical realm to communicate with those that they left behind. So the role of living is so that when you die, you can become an honorable ancestor. Now, let's be clear. Not all ancestors are honorable ancestors. Not all ancestors are names that you call when you pour libation because some people need to stay on the other side. Some people have lessons that they have to learn, lessons that may take them multiple lifetimes before they even get to the part uh, in their lives where they're ready to learn the lesson. And and, that, and that's just the way it is for those souls, that every soul has a purpose. Every soul has a value. And so if you understand that that we are souls having a human experience we can call on other souls other ancestral souls to provide us guidance and the film black panther both black panther films as a matter of fact were all about showing us the power of the ancestor realm the first black panther film uh, when t'challa won the mantle became the black panther uh, he was buried and that symbolic burial was the burial of his physical body so that his spiritual body could go into the ancestral realm where he met his father, right? And upon meeting his father, uh, the most powerful words in that film still resonated in my body because at the time I saw the film in 2017, I had not met my biological father. So when T'Challa told his father that he wasn't ready, his father said, well, have I not prepared you for life, how to be king? I've shown you this, I've shown you that. And then T'Challa said, no, Baba, I'm not ready to be without you. And then his father, as an ancestor, told him any father who has not prepared his child for, for their death has failed as a father. And he asks the quintessential question, have I ever failed you? And the T'Challa had to acknowledge he had to wake up, his soul was activated, and said, "No, Baba, you have not failed me." So when he reawakened from that experience, he was fully prepared, fully charged to live as the king and the Black Panther. In the second Black Panther film, when he died, that film begins with his mother and priests pouring libation calling the ancestors, right? And then he ascended into the ancestor realm. So these two films were a way of, of of the creator of the ancestors introducing to a population that needed this knowledge the most, the power of ancestralhood. And then last year also, we had this incredible film called The Woman King. And while a lot of people were fixating on certain aspects of, of that film, I fixated on the larger dimension of that film, which also dealt with ancestors. And the closing scene of the film, which some people missed if they left early, the closing scene of that film was when one of the warrior uh, priestesses was pouring libation, calling on the souls of those ancestors who died on the battlefield with them to come back because they knew that they were going to need their energies for the battles to come so what i really want people to get at this phase in 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 my learning and teaching experience what i want people to get is the power of ancestral acknowledgement the power of ancestral intelligence That is real. That is the reason why we are still alive, why our oppressor has not been able to obliterate us from the face of this earth as they've done other people that they have conquered and enslaved. We are alive today because of our connection with our ancestors and those who are doing more than living but thriving are thriving because they are connected to that golden thread which links us to our ancestors and allows their genetic memory to flow through us. So I'll say it again. Ancestral intelligence is the only A.I. that matters to conscientious African people.
1: All right. Well, away from the top now, I got some reports for you, Brother Tony. I sent some because people are sending me emails and and tweets and that. I sent you an email. But they were, they're were pleased. What you said, but I I got a tweet from from a brother calls himself a Marleyite. He says Bob Marley talked about when he talked about the birds. Said Marley sang a song about I woke up this morning, smiled with the rising sun, and three little birds uh, stopped by my my doorstep Mm -hmm. and told me that every little thing is going to be all right. So you just Mm wanted to share. I'm sure you're familiar with that particular song, probably.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
7: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and see, you know, the other thing about, about birds is birds are, are, exist within nature, right? And they're animals and insects uh, and plants minerals that are a part of nature. If we're clear about Nile Valley studies, and Nile Valley studies, you know, I'm I'm following uh, Dr. Charles Finch's lead. When we talk about Nile Valley culture, Nile Valley civilization, we're talking about those countries from the white Nile, the blue Nile, all the way down to the Mediterranean Sea. We're talking about inner Africa, not just Egypt. Uh, We're talking about Kush, we're talking about Ethiopia, we're talking about Kenya, we're talking about Uganda, we're talking about the source of the Nile River, the source of life. And so nature is our first teacher. And in the Nile Valley, uh, the word nature was derived from the word nature, which means a principle or an aspect of divinity or a principle or aspect of the creator or a principle or aspect of God. And so it's, we learn from the trees. We learn from the birds, from, the, from all of the animals, because they're more connected to the creator than we are. Have you ever seen a bird take flying lessons? Have you ever seen um, a, a squirrel take lessons on how to uh, climb a tree or a fish take lessons on how to swim? They are born with this innate intelligence. And because they are connected to the creative source, then that creative source moves through them and guides them to do the things that they were genetically born to do. Human beings are the same way, but we live in a society where we are connected from the nature. We are connect, we are disconnected from, from God, so to speak. So we got to go to somebody who would teach us how to uh, go to somebody who's an intermediary for the creator, as opposed to knowing how to how to directly tap into that creative power. Uh, and, and the reason why this process is in place, particularly in America, is because there's money to be made by those folk in the pulpit. And I was so pleased to hear Reverend Willie Wilson on this show this past Monday, because Reverend Willie Wilson is one of the few uh, Christian ministers here in DC that I know personally whose understanding of Christ, whose understanding of the Bible transcends the King James Version. He is a person who connects African spiritual traditions with Christianity in order to deliver a message to his his parishioners such that they're able to understand who they are and have a deeper connection to source. So these are lessons— that we're here to learn. There are people who who are here to teach these lessons, and it's simply a matter of people being willing to wake up, being unafraid, and allow themselves to learn from people who can guide them toward the light.
1: All right, nine away from the top. Yeah, we're going to talk about Brother Renoka Rashidi, Doctor Renoka Rashidi. He's documented, but Sandra is in Baltimore. Has a quick question for you on line one. Good morning, Sandra. I'm with Tony Browder.
8: Good morning, Carl, and good morning to the doctor. And congratulations on your son. I, I have two questions. My first question is this. Oh, oh! I also would like to thank you for explaining the Black Panther because a lot of people want to see that movie and they don't have a clue what it was all about. And also the Woman King. So thank you. My first question is this: What would the, what happens when? people kill each other, and they die, and they have to go to the ancestors, what happens then? And also, what happens when people take their own life, and they have to go to the ancestors? And also, Mm -hmm. what about mixing your blood? You're not supposed to mix. Is Is that one
1: I'll tell you what, Sandra, we'll, we'll, we'll make- take the break. When we come back, we'll, we'll let uh, Tony respond to your questions. Okay. Interesting questions, okay, thank though. You. Thank I'll, you,
8: Sandra. I'll, I'll hang up and listen. All right. I Sandra's
1: calling us from Baltimore, Bye-bye. six away from the topic. As I mentioned, we've got to step aside take a short break. We're back in four minutes, though, with uh, uh, Brother Tony's response and your phone calls as well at 800-450-7876 right here <coughs> in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM. 95.9 and AM 1450, WOL, where information is power. <clears throat> and good morning again, family. A minute after the top there with our guest, the chematologist, Tony Browder. And, and, and Brother Tony, we can get to uh, Dr. Renaud Rashid's documentary after you finish responding to Sister Sandra's questions. Do you remember the questions?
5: Oh, yeah, I,
7: I I wrote them down, Carl. <laughs> Maybe it's not what it used to be. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, the, the three questions that Sister Sandra posed to me before the break were three questions that I could spend an entire Carl Nelson show elaborating on. But I'll, I'll do it in two minutes. Uh, the first question had to do with uh, murderers. What happens to murderers? So if we stop and think for a minute, <clears throat> one of the... Um, Admonitions that one has to acknowledge at the scene of the weighing of the soul is that you have not committed murder. So in Kemet, it was understood that to take another life is a crime against nature. It's a crime against the nature. It's a crime against God. However, when we get to the Ten Commandments, which were distilled from the 42 admonitions of Mahat, we have Moses uh, telling his people, thou shalt not kill. But then again, it's all right for for people of that faith to kill people who are not of that faith so i had a pastor from new york tell me that he said the ten commandments only apply to Hebrew people they don't apply to everyone else so you can lie to folk who are not part of this chosen group you can kill someone who's not a part of that chosen group which maybe helps to explain the bloodletting that we see going on in gaza right now um so so One should not kill someone else. If you understand that they are an extension of you, that we are all connected, then in some sense, when you're killing someone, when you're hating someone, you hate yourself. So in that larger context, what a war is all about. Wars are about killing other people, violating the very laws of God that we claim that we want to honor and adore. Uh, We should revisit this whole thing about war and murder. Uh she asked another question about suicide what happens uh with people who commit suicide? There's a wonderful book called Rebel in the Soul," which was a retelling of an ancient uh Nile Valley papyri where a person was contemplating suicide um and, and when you if you read that text and I believe it was written in in the in the Middle kingdom around you know two thousand b c almost four thousand years ago you see a person saying that they are ready to commit suicide because people are killing other people in their community. People are stealing from other people in their community. People are disrespecting other people in the community. You would swear you're reading um, uh, a current newspaper, but we're talking about someone lamenting the quality of life 4,000 years ago. And because of all the despair that they were dealing with, in their lifetime, they were contemplating suicide. But then in this papyri, the person's soul comes to them and says, to die to you today was, would be uh, an abomination. You are here to live, not to die. And
3: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Hopefully we didn't just lose uh, Brother Tony. Sounds like his, his uh, line dropped, uh, Kevin, so see if we can get him back for us. Interesting conversation, family. Call up a couple of friends and tell them that Tony Browder's on the radio here discussing... discussing what happens when you make that transition? You know, he told us he was in the room with dr wilson made her transition that's why i want to ask him about the the other rituals that uh that our our ancestors practice when it comes to birth the birthing process and he's going to tell us about the uh, the dr inoka rashidi documentary it's been uh, in the in the works for quite some time and i know they've been doing some editing hopefully we get a chance to talk about the asa restoration project and also the clark enhanced history project as well as you mentioned something about movies because you know brother tony kind of like Dick Gregory, Mark Anaheim, when they go see a movie, we just go for entertainment. They, they've, they're they watching all the symbolisms uh, of, of, of what the movie is, what they're trying to, you know, the, the, what they're trying to tell us, you know, sublet. So, our brother Tony's back. So, Brother Tony, I'll let you finish your thought.
7: Sure. I'm, I'm not sure at what point I was disconnected, but uh, I was talking about this book, The Rebel in the Soul, where the soul of the person who is contemplating suicide Uh, basically let that person know that your life is too valuable to end. Yes, you may be upset because of what is happening, but you are here for a purpose. So we have been given information. We've been given texts over the millennia that helps us to address many of the issues that we may encounter in life. Uh, The last question that Sandra raised was this issue of, of race mixing. And so the question then becomes, you know, the heart loves who the heart loves on one very basic level. But the question then becomes uh, you know, what, what are you dealing with with circumstances like Adolf Hitler, who believed in the superiority of the Aryan race, who outlawed uh, race uh, mixing? Or, or are you uh, crossing over uh, because you're addicted to white, uh, because you hate black? So all of these issues are issues that really need to be evaluated because it's not just your life that you're dealing with. It's the life of the lives that you will bring into the world. So it's important for me to stress the fact that a person should know themselves first, know who you are, love yourself first. If there are issues that are bothering you and everybody has issues, get to the bottom of those issues so that you can resolve them and become a better person. That's what psychiatrists are for. That's what psychologists are for. That's what scholars are for, to help us become better people. So we can't solve the problems in life by ourselves. We go to experts who can help us resolve these issues so that we can continue our our soul journey, our cosmic assignment, and become the best person possible in this particular lifetime. So with your permission, I'll segue over to the uh Renolfo before you C. do yeah
1: yeah before you do that uh-huh. though, because you once mentioned that, you know, death happens when we've completed our cosmic assignment. Can you touch on that a little bit for us?
7: Sure. You know, um I think there was a book uh why bad things happen to good people uh that laments the sorrow that people experience when a child dies early in life. Uh, the, greatest, the greatest fear of any parent is to bury your child before your child buries you. And, um, you know, we have to ask ourselves when, when misery strikes a person or a people, we have to ask ourselves, why is that happening? Everything happens for a reason, right? Sometimes some souls Uh, only have to be on this planet for a short period of time in order to fulfill their cosmic assignment so that they can prepare themselves for their next assignment, their next return. And it's very difficult to, to understand that if you're caught up in grief, if you're just dealing with this situation from an emotional standpoint and are separated from understanding and internalizing the spiritual reasons why we are here. So it's about balancing both aspects of ourselves and and realizing and understanding that everything happens for a reason. And when we can detach ourselves from the um, emotionalism of life and begin to look at things from uh, a a spiritual dimension, then we can gain some balance in our understanding of what's really going on. Uh, A a quick aside, you you have a frequent guest, uh, Brother Tyrone Power, on your show, uh, former uh, African-American FBI agent. And I remember Atlantis and I meeting him maybe 20, 20 years or so ago. Uh, we were going to a book fair somewhere in Ohio. And this is during the time, this is right after, this is after 95, 96, right after the Million Man March, when black churches were being burned. And I remember having a conversation with that brother, and he was telling us that the churches that were being burned were actually being fire bombed. But the FBI was labeling them burnings because bombings have to be investigated by the FBI. If it's a burning, then this investigation could be handled by the local police, who may, in fact, have had a hand in burning that church. So he said that um, what FBI officials know when speaking to the black community about issues of church burnings, church bombings, or issues of whether or not crack is being distributed by the federal government in your community, that when they go into the meeting, they know the black folk are going to be emotional. They're going to be all over the place. And you say whatever you need to say in that instance to calm their emotions. And when you leave, they'll forget and they will never hold you accountable. So what I'm saying here is that, yeah, we emote, but we also need to think. We also need to process. We also need to ground ourselves in other areas of knowledge so that we can bring that knowledge, that spirituality, the power, that ancestral power that comes with tapping into that that, that ancestral intelligence so that we can speak. Think and act in such a manner that we can achieve our objectives and not continue to feed into the objectives of our oppressors,
1: yeah, wow, thank you for sharing that with us a ten after the top of the hour let's go let's move over now to uh Dr. Renouca Rashidi, the documentary
7: so this has been a uh, a labor of love for the past two years uh the documentary uh the final edit of the documentary was done. In uh, early December, and it's now available to the general public. So we are finalizing the process. The documentary is now available on Vimeo uh, where one can uh, go to Vimeo, which is a um, a service that allows you to to download and upload uh, films. Um, so it's available now on Vimeo. We're also working to get it on other streaming platforms, Amazon, Amazon Prime, Apple TV. Uh, we're in the process of doing that. But we also are making the documentary available for.
1: Oh wow! Uh, hopefully we haven't lost Tony again, because we're to find out, you know, what's doing with the adoption. Uh, Dr. Renoka Rashidi uh, documentary because we're coming up on Black History Month. Love to see Black History Month and some of these uh, movie premieres that are out as well, Pan-African Film Festival out in L.A. and uh, places like that where they have these black film festivals and show Dr. Renoka Rashidi. Especially since they're trying to ban our, our books now, family, we, we have to, you know, be proactive and get the story of, of Dr. Renoka Rashidi into the hands, especially of our children, so they can, they can understand the life and times of Dr. Renoka Rashidi. So one of the things that Brother Tony said, that once your cosmic assignment is over that's that's when you're gonna you know that's when you're gonna leave here you know, I just put it straight up like that so and and basically there all of us are assigned have an assignment on this planet some of us are still trying to figure out what that assignment is but once you've figured it out and once you once you've uh, You've completed your assignment. Once you've done what you're supposed to do on this planet, that's when you make your exit. So he, he was talking about the grief uh, issue that you know people shouldn't be grieving because you know that person has completed their assignment. They've done what they were supposed to do while they were on this planet. So now they move into the next realm. That's why it was important for him to explain us what happens when when you make that transition. That that 40 day. What happens before you move into the other space when you when when the judgment day comes, as some people call it. When, when you, you're quizzed on whether you know you violated, you've violated the uh, the the admonitions of, of my because you, you'll be judged on on you'll be judged on, on a feather, the balance. That's why you don't get upset or you don't get too angry when people attack you or just say something, or even when people praise you. You try to stay on an even keel. That's what's all about. That's what's balance. Some people call it karma. So if you do something bad, something bad's gonna happen to you. Some people react on that level because they say, "Oh, that's I, I, I'm not gonna treat it or say anything negative or say anything because it's gonna come back to me. or come back on my children." But it's basically the same thing. It's all. It's all, all, all. It's all about balance. That's what our ancestors called it. You know, some people call it karma. And and and, and if uh, it, it did any uh, philosophy in college, they teach about that as well. That it, there is a balance it's in life. That's basically what it is in life. But anyway, we're going to take a short break. We hope we get Brother Tony back on the phone as we're now up to the period where we got to take the break. And we'll be back in four minutes at 14 after the top of the hour right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. And good morning, family. Just joining us, I guest is Tony Browder. Tony, one of our top scholars here with us right now. If you'd like to speak to him, 800-450-7876. Before we go back to him, I'll just remind you that tomorrow is Friday, so we're going to give you a chance to free your mind. Reach out to us in our Open Phone Friday program. Uh, our number, of course, again, is 800-450-7876. And we start promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. And also... In the DMV on FM ninety five point nine and AM fourteen fifty WL. So, brother Tony, I'm gonna let you finish. Tell us about uh, you were telling us about first. You were us about the the Ace restoration project, and now the Clark Enhanced History Project.
7: Right. So, the Clark Enhanced History Project was is created specifically in order to tell the backstory of African people before our enslavement. As Dr. Clark reminded us, if you begin your history in slavery, everything since then looks like progress. Dr. Clark also told us that, that over half of human history was over before the first European wore a shoe or lived in a house the window. So we're documenting 8,000 years of African excellence, uh, history, culture, knowledge that precedes our enslavement so that we will have a context of who we were before our world was turned upside down so that we can intentionally engage in acts of Sankofa, reach back into the past and claim the best of our ancestral knowledge so that we can then engage in Kofa Move forward with that knowledge in our present lives, so that we can create the world that our children, our grandchildren, and our great grandchildren are to inherit. That is the reason why we're alive, Carl. And anyone who doesn't get that is wasting their life.
1: All right, nineteen away from the top of the. Hour. We had a, a actually it was a email somebody sent me, and I forwarded it to you. But he want, he says. Yes. He changed His life changed when he heard about the Browder Files. says, I think he met you or heard you in, in St. Louis. Can you tell us about the Browder Files?
5: Sure. Well, From the Browder
7: was my first book, and that writing of that book came uh, about as a result of my very first appearance on the uh, Kathy Hughes Morning Show on WOL in November of 1986. Uh, I was on the show. I was supposed to do an hour. I was hitting it with Miss, uh, Miss Hughes so well that she had me on for two hours and then invited me back uh, the following Monday to do two more hours. But um, I was talking about history, the things that I love talking about, and I was invited to write uh, some articles in the Washington Afro which were entitled – uh, from the file, two years later, I published uh, my first book, From the file, which has been a perennial bestseller, and I am now in the process of writing the third volume of file Essays, which is titled Why Kemet Matters, in which I'm going to be doubling down on Kemet and the Nile Valley, and why it's so important for people of African ancestry to know that this is an indigenous African culture, and to understand why others have been attempting to appropriate it, so that they can separate us from this ancestral intelligence, which can empower us for the very difficult days that we're going to be facing throughout 2024, 2025, and 2026. So the Browder file is is following the the creed of WOL with the understanding that information is power. We provide information, give you the tools to know how to utilize it in such a fashion that you can empower yourself, hopefully that then will help you to empower other people, other black lives that matter to you.
1: Oh, and also, Tony, at 17 away from the top of the hour, your trip, uh, local trip, Egypt on the Potomac, how did that come about, and is, is it still going on?
7: Right, the Egypt on the Potomac trip is an activity that we started in 1986. I've been at this one for a few minutes, Carl. Uh, it is a seasonal activity. Our 2024 season be, runs from April through November. Our public field trips are the first Saturday of each month uh, at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Someone can go to our website, ikg-info.com, and purchase tickets for Egypt on the Potomac. It's a three-hour field trip where we take you around the city and show you the physical evidence to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt That America's founding fathers studied Nile Valley civilization, studied Kemet, and incorporated that knowledge into the architectural landscape of D.C. in order to empower themselves to accomplish the things that this nation has accomplished within the past 200 years. So, as Brother James Small says, when you understand history, you erase the mystery and can assume your rightful place in this world. So that's one of the many things that we've been doing, uh, that IKG has been doing for over 40 years, and as long as I'm living, we'll continue doing this and passing it down to the next generation. So my daughter's been following in in my footsteps, working with me uh, since she was eight years old. And my grandson will also follow in our footsteps. As a matter of fact, I've already started working on my grandson's first book, which we will publish when he was five years old. When he becomes five years old, it would be his, my birthday gift to him, uh, and, and so, such that my, this is what I'm envisioning, this is what I'm going to bring into manifestation, my grandson will publish his first book when he's five years old, and he will beat his mother's record by three years.
1: All right, good, good to hear that. And let me just say this. If you live in the DMV, you got to take this trip. You, you, you've got to, you can't live here and not know all these edifices, these buildings, or what they really mean. You know, it's great when you pick up your friends at, at BWI or, or, or on Reagan National and you're taking them home or to, to the to the hotel. You can point out these things and you can, you know, sound like an expert. All that you learned from what, being on, on this trip, Egypt on the uh, Potomac. You, you know, if you want, you can tell them it was Tony Browder who taught you. But, yeah... <laughs> (laughs) If you live in the DMV, and if you're you're visiting, especially, I know it's kind of chilly right now, but in the summertime, springtime, make sure that you sign up and and get to see uh, Washington, D.C., what it really is.
3: McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing.
1: But brother Tom, I ask about movies cuz you talked about movies earlier and you and I mentioned Mark Mannheim and, and Dick Gregory. You guys when you go to the movies, you you look at it differently from the rest of us. For most of us it's entertainment or escapism. You know, we're trying to get away and just just trying to relax. But what is it about what you when you go to the movies, you're looking for certain things. You 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 look the, the how does that come about? How do you know explain that for us?
7: Sure, well, I I mentioned that one of my goals as a grandfather is to be the grandfather to my grandson that my grandfather was to me. My creativity comes from my grandfather. He could build anything. He had this innate capacity to see a finished product in his mind and then to replicate it on a material plane. So my creativity comes from my grandfather. I am trained as an artist, as a designer. Uh, that's what my degree is in. Uh, it was only... Uh, after I discovered African history or the missing pages of African history, that I began focusing on African history in the Nile Valley? But I've always dealt with history through the eyes of an artist. Artists have the capacity to see, to hear, to feel things that people who aren't trained in these sensibilities are, are, are unable to do. So... <clears throat> Um, and dog, I'm talking, and I forgot the question. What was your question, Carl?
1: The question is, how did you know? How did you because you oh, know, film, we,
7: film. I, yeah. got I got it. film, So when I watch a film, I watch a film through the eyes of an artist. You know, one of the best jobs that I had was a summer internship at Footcoat and Building Advertising in Chicago in 1972, and I worked with people who made commercials, who wrote commercials, who directed commercials, uh, and designed commercials. So I had a head start. I had like a six-month to one-year head start on the things that the public was going to see. And I realized when I'm watching a film that someone had to write it, someone had to, to produce it, someone had to design it, someone had to direct it. And so I'm, I'm looking at all of these elements. So everything that you see in every frame of every picture, someone had to conceive in their minds. So I'm looking at the writing. I'm looking at the directing. I'm looking at the art direction. I'm looking at the things that are on the set. So I'm synthesizing films from multiple perspectives simultaneously, right? And so um, Sandra earlier was commenting on uh, the Black Panther film and, and the Woman King film um, that, that, that I was describing. And so I, I've done dozens of lectures on films, and some of them can be found on the IKG website. Uh, you, can, you can download um, those lectures on our website. But when I look at a film, I'm seeing it from multiple perspectives. And so there's a couple of films out right now that are worthy of seeing. Uh, uh, American fiction. Uh, Corey Jefferson's uh, film is a phenomenal film that I'm encouraging every person to see. It's not going to get a lot of press uh, because of the the storyline which deals with American racism, which it turns on its head, but it's a phenomenal film. Jeffrey Wright uh, is, is acting his behind off. Jeffrey Wright is a son of Southeast D.C. and has done D.C. proud. Uh, another film that opens tomorrow is Ava DuVernay's latest film, Origins, which is a cinematic retelling of Isabella Wilkerson's classic publication, A Cast. Uh, Ava DuVernay is a is a young, brilliant uh, filmmaker who who brings who brings intelligence, who brings cultural competence to her filmmaking. I think it was about a year or two ago when Ava DuVernay was recognized for her ability. She started um, a new program, and she invited Haile Garima, who's one of her professors um, in film school in California. Haile Garima, uh, those in D.C. know, is the uh, founder of Sankofa Video and Books, He's the writer and director of the film, the classic film Sankofa, which was produced thirty thirty years ago. And she invited Hailey to come out to talk about Sankofa and also brokered a deal for Sankofa to be available on uh, Netflix. And what was interesting, Hailey is from Ethiopia. He is his father was a playwright he incorporates history and culture in all of his films. Highly is an independent filmmaker. He works outside of Hollywood because he wants control of his narrative. And he's working, he's got a new film coming out uh, called Ethiopian Lions, uh, Italian Wolves, about the uh, second attempt of, um, of Italians to conquer Ethiopia. Ethiopia is the only African country that was not colonized. Uh, Italy uh, tried to attack uh, or did attack Ethiopia twice. Hailey is working on a five-part documentary that tells the story of uh, Benito Mussolini's efforts to colonize Ethiopia. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I, I love filmmaking. I, l- I love good filmmakers. And so for our us to be able to produce Executive produced the Rinoco Rashidi documentary uh, showcases what we're able to do when we tell our story. And it's through the ace Restoration Project that we are looking at other film projects to document the stories of other scholars whose stories need to be told. Uh, one quick story, and then, and then I'll cut and let you uh, come back in, Carl. Um, in... I think it was uh, 1999 or 2000, I was in Brazil, received a call from James Small who told me that Wesley Snipes uh, was looking for someone to go to to Egypt with Dr. Ben uh, because a film crew was going to be filming a documentary on him. So I had a a chance to spend like three weeks in Egypt with uh, a film crew and and Dr. Ben. I was ahead of the the, the second uh, crew that was doing the B-roll footage to illustrate all the things that Dr. Ben was talking about. Um, That same Wesley Snipes also produced uh, the film The Beautiful classic film on John Henry Clark, A Great and Mighty Walk. It was Wesley's desire when he was growing up in Harlem, attending lectures at First World with Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, Dr. Jeffries, James Small, and others, where Wesley said he was going to Hollywood. And after he got his 10-picture deal, he was going to start a film company called Amon Ra Films and produce documentaries about our scholars. Wesley started Amonrod Films. He did The Great and Mighty Walk with Dr. Clark. They brought me on to help them with the documentary on, on on Dr. Ben, and unfortunately, Wesley ran into his tax problems, and Dr. Ben's film was never completed. It's maybe about 90% done, but it was never completed. He had, Wesley also wanted to do a series uh film on Dr. Welsing. She was going to be the third in the series. And so what we want to be able to do through the ASA Restoration Project is to tell the stories of those scholars that teachers won't teach or Hollywood won't make films about. So we love to do something. You know, we're we're in conversation now with Dr. Hilliard's family about doing something to to put his story out there. Uh, we've been very close to Dr. Wilson's family and would love to do something on on her and her family. I mean, Dr. Wilson was a powerhouse. Herself, but she came from a family of powerful people. So there's stories that need to be written, stories that need to be put on the big screen and the small screen, and we need resources and competent people to tell those stories for the benefit of our community.
1: All right, we're just flat out of time. Tony Browder, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep us in the loop in all those projects that you're working on, so we can pass them on to our family.
7: All right, thank you, Carl, for this opportunity, and whenever you call. I'll answer. All (laughs) right. Okay, brother.
1: Keep it moving. Thank you, Tony Bradder, That's chematologist Tony Bradder. Family, we're done for the day. Stay strong. Stay positive. Please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.